Hey yo, welcome to another edition of 43.6, the sports podcast you always wanted. I'm Dustin Perry, and I'm joined by James Key. Hello, James. You are joined by me. I am here. And we are also joined by Maddie Key. Hello, Maddie. Hey. We got a packed show for you this evening. We are going to be talking about the Toronto Blue Jays being eliminated from the Major League Baseball playoffs. The Toronto Maple Leafs are about to start their season, the NHL season, that is. And we're going to talk a bit more about that NHL season that is upon us in just a few short days. NFL Week 5 is in the rearview mirror. We're going to talk a bit about that and our picks for NFL Week 6. All that and a whole lot more coming up on this week's episode of 43.6, which, of course, is brought to you by Now Your Treasures, which we will talk a bit more about later. But before we dive into that, I do want to get into what has been happening in our lives over the past week or so since the last time we gathered around these microphones to discuss sports and other things. James, why don't we start with you? So, dude, uh, everybody who listens knows, and you guys know that I'm heavy into the sports card collecting world. And this year for uh, Tops and their baseball product, they released something called a Taco Fractor. Did you guys hear about this? I don't know what that is. No. So in cards, there's something called a refractor, which is the card is instead of being like a flat finish, it's like shiny, like almost like pearlescent, right? So that's called a refractor. This year, the taco fractor was a low numbered variation of certain players' cards that had tacos all over it. And Tops kept saying like, hold on to these cards because something might happen with these cards. Like You're not going to want to give these up. So people are like, what the fuck am I going to do with this Taco Fractor card, right? Turns out, Top said last week that if you have the player that winds up stealing the first base in the World Series and you have their Taco Fractor card, you get Taco Bell for life. What? That's awesome. Literally. So, yeah, I mean, there's wild cards out there for people. Like, So there's there's five of each player that has a taco fractor and there's five wild cards in case the player doesn't appear on the on the list so like for example if you have ronald acuna taco fractor and he steals the first base in the world series you would get and it's fifteen thousand dollars taco bell credit but you would get essentially taco bell for life no, 15000 I could go through in like a year and a half. That, no, dude, you wouldn't be on this planet anymore if you had if you went through $15,000 in a year. You would cease to exist. You would, you would implode <laughs> from the shits alone. I don't know. Sounds like a challenge. Someone want to donate fifteen grand and see if I can use it Survive. all to Taco Bell in a year? What is our thoughts on Taco Bell? You crave it, you have it, and you yeah. want you realize why you didn't have it for so long. I was gonna say it serves a purpose. Yeah. <laughs> a very like niche purpose. I'll say this like chicken soft taco, I enjoy. Fry Supreme, fine, whatever. But like you realize that when you have it, it's mostly tortilla or whatever than anything else. Like it's fine, but it's not it's not what you think of when you crave it if that makes sense. Well, I mean, I think at Taco Bell, there's like eight ingredients and they just combine them in different ways. Like whatever eight C eight <laughs> is there, that that mathematical formula of eight combinations. And then like, that's yeah. 
That's every item that they, they hit have. Random. Every... <laughs> and then all <laughs> right. a new menu item. Um, Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So the new you're, a big fan that... of, you're the big fan of the Doritos taco, aren't you? Well, so when I lived in Brampton, there was a Taco Bell, like an intersection away. So my Sunday afternoons watching football typically was, uh, yeah, filled with Doritos Locos tacos and Fry Supreme and a Mountain Dew Baja Blast while I'm watching and crying about my fancy football team. However, now I don't have a Taco Bell anywhere near me other than like at the office, there is a Taco Bell in the mall that's like near my office. But like, I don't want to eat Taco Bell and then have to go back to work because like there's like a time bomb attached to a Taco Bell meal, right? Where this is going to go south like either in 30 minutes or in like four hours. But either way, I'm still going to be at the office. Why you never eat Taco Bell in the car. Right, like no. you're on a trip somewhere, never eat Taco Bell in the car. That's a recipe for disaster. But yeah, no. So I thought that was like wild. Like I mean, when they when they announced the Taco Fractor, I was like, well, obviously this is what it is. Like, how could it be anything else? Well, you think like Taco Del Mar signed a promotion with the MLB? Like, forget it, right? So, so, are you, so did you allude oh, to this it? because you got it? No, I don't have a Taco. I didn't get a Taco Fractor. Uh. Taco Del Mar, I'm pretty sure, is just Subway, right? Like, same company? Yeah. I think so. Like, because I only say this because I was walking by the one on Bremner, like, I don't know, maybe three or four months ago, and I went into Taco Del Mar because there was nothing else opened. Like, down that strip is just weird. On Like, you'd figure there'd be more food options down there, but there really isn't. Anyways, so I went to Taco Del Mar, get a burrito, and, like, the person making my burrito had a Subway uniform on (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I don't know if like maybe they just like are double shifting and like they I, the subway is next door so like I don't know if they're just done their shift at Subway and came over to work their shift at Taco Del Mar and just didn't change or is literally the same company but you know what you bring up a good funny. point there's actually like for a spot like that between two major Toronto sports institutions there's nothing to eat there's the St. Louis or St. Louis however you want to pronounce it they the commercial yeah, pronounces it St. Louis, up, but it sounds stupid, and that's way up right. past the Rogers Center. Yeah, exactly. That's west of the Rogers Center, not very west, but like it's it's way up there. So if you're somewhere in between the Rogers Center and Scotiabank Arena, like there's your options are there's a, a hoops there, and no one should ever worst. go to hoops. The hoops is it's, the dirt worst place I've ever seen. Yeah, been in. And it's what's what's sad to me is so many people. I, every time I walk by, like there's people in there. Oh, yeah. and. They're just there because there's nothing else, nowhere else to go. And there's like an aroma coffee shop, which is just like if you want to pay nine dollars for a hot chocolate. There you go. And the Taco Bell and the Taco or the Taco, no, the Taco Del Mar and the Subway. And then the bootleg. Now, if you go Yes, there is that weird convenience store there, too. Um, If you go further down towards Scotiabank Arena and go to RS, what formerly known as Real Sports, that's incredible. Like Real Sports is great. Like, they don't they call it real sports shit anymore? No, it's just called RS. Yeah, it's just RS. It's kind of weird. And they changed it. It's less like sports bar-y. Like back in the day, the stools and the table bar to like bar tables look like basketballs and things like that. And it or like a basketball court on the tabletop. And it like felt very sports bar. Now it feels like a bar that plays sports. Yeah, it's definitely a, a bit higher 
I don't know if higher class is the right way to describe it. Different aesthetic, it, more of like it, a, more of like a higher aesthetic than a sports yeah. aesthetic. It's fancier than it used to be. The thing is, is like you're you're inundated with like four restaurants that are way too expensive. Like if you're if you're if you're going to a game, like you're already spending a gajillion dollars on whatever the game is. The restaurants that surround it, they just don't make sense, right? Like eleven, then they have those two, three other restaurants on the north side of Bremner. Like it doesn't. Yeah. Like they're they're all hundred dollar plates. Like what? Okay, sure. Like not only do you cater to the yuppies inside, you cater to them outside. Like there's no there's no room for for everyday fans in that space whatsoever. Well, I guess so it's Taco that's the Del thing. Mar. Well, yeah. So RS actually is good, but like as Maddie's saying, like it is like a step up now. So it's not quite a. It's it's not like when you go to Chicago and you're in Wrigleyville. And there's just a bunch of sports bars that you're just gonna go and have a four dollar pint near before the game. you go to the Cubs game. Yeah, like there's even none not, of that. Even if you don't have tickets, you're near it. Yes. Yeah. And like even if you go, so even if you use a comparison of like the Rogers Center, around there, like your options are the Boston Pizza on Front Street, which is Garbo, Rec and room. then Rec Room, which is Garbo. just a fucking zoo, and then there's the Pint, which is just eh. Just that's eh. why everyone goes to the loose moose, and it's like it's like actually in Jack Astor's, which are actually kind of far removed from those it's, things. Yes, yeah, not close. You know, I mean, like it's close in terms of like you could walk it, but it's not close in terms of atmosphere whatsoever. No. So, anyway, Taco Fractor. Uh, yeah, didn't get one. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, Maddie, what about you? Honestly, I like cleaned out bunch of my dad's shit <laughs> this weekend like uh basement garage they got one of those giant junk bins so just kind of did some of that shit um what else oh uh, having a kid and jim can attest to this you start getting the the random things that you have to attend like other friends kids first birthday or events like this so this weekend we had to go to one it was outside at a park in guelph but like the far side of Guelph, like far Guelph. So it was like an hour and a half drive. So like, I get out there, there for an hour. It's windy. It's rainy. It's under this little pavilion thing, which just funnels the wind right through. Kid lasted an hour. And then we're like, we got to go. Like she's got to sleep. She's got to eat. She's kind of fussy and freaking out. So we drove an hour and a half for this thing. Barely saw the kid that's birthday it was. Barely saw like the mom, which is the friend of my wife. And then we left after like an hour. So three hours drive for like a one hour little stay of not really doing anything. And I'm just like, oh, and that's it. Like that's your entire fucking day, right? Like that's yeah. like an hour and a half there, hour and a half back. You spend an hour there. It's, you know, it's four hours out of your day. Yeah. And like, I, I get it. It's cool and stuff, but I'm just like in my head. I just, my kid's first birthday, I'm doing like a five minute drive from my house. <laughs> like, fuck it. That's the center of where most of the people coming are going to be. So I just, I don't know, man. I, it'd be different if it was summer and you could enjoy it a little bit. But when it's like raining and the temperature dropped very starkly over like the past two days. Um, yeah, I was just like, holy shit. This is why I almost didn't have kids. Yeah, the weather was wild the past week or so. Like, it was like thirty something degrees last week. Yeah, <laughs> it's like hey, it's still summer. What's going on? It was it was October and it was still like summer weather, and now it's it's fall. 
yeah, and it's going to be shitty for like the next week and a half. So, yeah, no, that's pretty much all I did. I mean, a lot of driving this weekend. So, yeah, it's low key other than Guelph. I got a couple things for you guys. I do have one question, though, before we do go oh, on. Yeah, uh, go you know it. what? No, we'll get to it, though. No, go ahead. You go first, then I'll ask my question. Okay. I was recently watching a YouTube video of someone ripping Pokemon cards. And guys, I don't want to do it. I don't want to fall down this rabbit hole. Dude. Of <laughs> Is it the one you sent us? Cards. Join us. The the reseal? Oh. oh no, no. So so that one no. So that's an old video. I, I oh, sent okay. in the Discord a little while ago of uh, Ray Navarra's opening up a Pokemon card <laughs> a pack and it's like Weedle. Weedle? Weedle? <laughs> like the next part, like Weedle? What's <laughs> like, <laughs> like four or five Weedles in a row. It's pretty hilarious. And yeah, obviously someone just repacked it and returned to the store or whatever. But now I was watching someone open this new Pokemon 151 Scarlet and Violet set. And see, this is the thing. Like, I never got into any of the Pokemon stuff because, I mean, okay, let me rephrase that. I played the game as a kid. I watched the show as a kid, but I never collected any of the cards. And I played like other video games along the way. Like I started with Yellow and I never played another one again until I think on my BlackBerry, I downloaded an emulator and played gold like years and years after it come out and gold then I, was terrific gold no, was great game. amazing yeah but i never kept up with it like i never bought like every iteration of the pokemon game that came out so there's generations that i have no idea who they are but i did play x on my 3ds and then recently i played legends and scarlet or violet don't know i have no idea which one i have i have one of the scarlet or violet so there's a big gap in my knowledge of pokemon but if this series is just the original 151, you're in. I feel like I feel like that's that's scratching the itch right there, dude. We are my kid and I are so far like deep into this set. Like we almost have the whole hollow and then reverse hollow set. Like that's how we're collecting it. And she's pulled some massive cards, man. Like the kid pulled, not even me. We went into GameStop the other day and bought like one of the twelve dollar tins. She pulled the Alakazam Secret Art Rare. Which is like a sixty dollar oh, wow. card, and then she's pulled the Blastoise secret rare, and she's pulled some pretty big cards, man. And it's a lot of fun. And apparently, and I, it's funny. Uh, like we were talking, I was talking with people in various shops about why it's so popular, and I said the exact same thing you did. I think it's because people who are buying it know what they're getting when they open it. Like they recognize, like it's not like they're opening it going, "Well, like what the fuck is a chandelure?" Right? They're, they these are the OGs, you know. Yeah, for sure. It's like that uh, Chin Pokemon episode of South Park where I think it was Kenny who got like shoe. <laughs> like, I just know I'd open a pack and be like, shoe. All right, cool. I got shoe. Whatever the fuck this is. Yo, I love the Chin Pokemon episode. That's a great episode. South Park is awesome. South Park oh, was at one point really on their game. No, South Park is still. It's like I, w- I would say they're better now because of how quickly they turn around episodes that they can stay so current more so than other shows. Right. So I I'm, I'm a big South park guy. I kind of always have been to a degree. Um, I haven't watched it recently, mostly just because it's hard to keep track of like when seasons are and shit like that. Um, yeah, I agree. so I'm just like, I can't, I can't, I can't do this. But uh, yeah. I think what I might do is just go back and watch like classic episodes and shit like in, um, 
just like the older seasons as they had come out because they used to not have running storylines and now they do. Yeah, South Park is interesting because it's one of the few shows in television that has spanned the course of time of like the way the show is distributed and shown and people's viewing habits have so widely changed since when it first came out. Like when South Park first aired, it would have been on Comedy Central on a Friday night at 10 o'clock or whatever. And we may have got it on uh, Comedy Network in Canada. And then I don't know if Comedy Network even exists anymore in Canada. And like, so like South Park would have changed television providers over the years. And then it got to a point where no one's watching it like that anymore. You have to watch it on Crave. So then you'd have to watch it on your Crave subscription. And then now it's not even on Crave, it's on Paramount Plus. So it's like it's changed from television network to television network to streaming service to a different streaming service. And to a point now where it's R. Yeah, pretty much. Ooh. What is that? A plume? Venusaur. Oh, that's Venusaur. Venusaur. Okay. Yeah, and then there's the oh. Zapdos. That's cool. So James is showing us some of his Pokemon cards from the 151 set. And yeah. for for context, he has a blur on the background of his camera, and these things are in uh, hard top, top loaders. So, and they're like, um, what is it? Uh, full art. Refer- what the fuck you call these things? Hollow, holographic cards. Is that a Zapdos? Yeah, but the art is incredible. Like it's hard to see. I know, but like, yeah, I have no idea what that is. That's just. I wonder how much my original first edition Zapdos Hollow is. Like from the very first set. Oh, I'm sure I could. If it's in good condition, good grading. So, actually, I have two other things. Uh, Quickly, one thing. I I guess I'll leave the sports story to the end. Um, so uh, I saw someone talk about this on Twitter the other day, and I'm like, "What the fuck is that? I've never heard of this thing before." And all the comments below them were, "Oh, you've just discovered this. This has been around for years." So I said, "Okay, I'll go into my." television and type in the search bar and see what the fuck they're talking about have you guys heard of the british dating show called naked attraction i i've heard it once and i saw a screenshot but that's it yeah i I think i like briefly have heard about it but like i'm not entirely familiar with it why are you going on so i watched (laughs) the entire first season because it's like a fucking train wreck it's just like you also like love is blind don't you i've never watched love is blind so like I generally don't even watch reality shows, but like this is just so fucking ridiculous that I it's it's like a train wreck. You can't look away. And so if you're not familiar with the premise of this show, it's a dating show. So a, a person goes on the show and they're going to date one of the six people that are trying to date them. And all the six people who are trying to win this date with this person are behind a divider of different colors. So you're behind the pink divider, the green divider, the yellow divider, blue divider, orange divider, purple divider, whatever the fuck. And behind the divider, they're naked. So they say, all right, first round, we're going to lift up the divider only to show their lower body. So you have these these women who are like, all right, well, that penis is too small and this one's too big. And like this one's just right. <laughs> Goldie <Fox. laughs> And like, and so you'll eliminate, you all eliminate one person based on the lower body and then you're down to five and then they I'd raise it up a bit more immediately. Could you so, imagine you're the dude it's like, ah, oh, you got a micro penis. I can't do it just out for the rest of the world. To be fair, they are very like positive and like the way they cut the show, like no one's like shooting on someone's body or something. 
but Ooh, at the same time wrong choice of words bud what shooting on him oh well i mean the wrestling people got it no I, yeah what was funny in the first episode the first guy who got eliminated was the brown dick i'm like of course Fuck you guys. <laughs> uh that's funny but it I'm is a very hilarious googling. show I'm, I'm googling this shit right now and it, it, it aired for like 11 seasons. It might so, still be airing to this day. Did for you watch it. this of your own volition or did you get involved in a conversation where you need to watch this? Like, is this something <laughs> where like a lady, a lady <laughs> no, was interested no. in it? You're like, I'm going to make conversation and I'm going to watch this show for three seasons. I know what you're talking about, and I've been in those situations before where like, I'll watch Lord of the Rings, this fucking bullshit movie. So I can go and back and talk watch- to her about bilbo yeah exactly i don't yeah i don't give a fuck about lord of the rings but and i know some people do like whatever but like it's just not for me it's, and i think i've explained this a number of times like fantasy stuff generally isn't my thing yeah. so for whatever reason game of thrones worked for me but like lord of the rings is a bridge too far i suppose anyways um no it was nothing like that it was just i watched the first episode i'm like this is fucking hilarious and i have to watch another one and it's 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 it varies enough to a point where like it's now a woman looking for a lesbian partner. And they're like, oh, okay, this is uh, different. And then it's like, and now this person's looking for trans partners. It's like, okay, this is really fucking weird. Let's bring it on. <laughs> and so next thing you know, Dustin's sitting in front of the TV with a bunch of Doritos Locos tacos <laughs> watching Naked Attraction. Yeah, exactly. And like getting further and further away of the people who are getting selected as I eat more and more of Doritos Locos tacos. <laughs> Right, because it's it's definitely like when you see the people who are picked at the end. I'm like, oh yeah, the Jack dude with the tattoos. Okay, yeah, yeah that's that, uh, that that tracks actually. <laughs> Literally, they're cut to uh, a penis just as Dustin's about to shove a taco in his mouth, and he's just like, ah. <laughs> like, I, could look like I could look like that if I tried, as I just jam my uh, fry supreme in my mouth. <laughs> I just don't want to. <laughs> We'll do it tomorrow. Okay, so one last thing, and I swear we'll get to actual sports stories. This is sports adjacent. I was at the least preseason game on Thursday night. Thursday night? Wednesday night? Whatever fucking day it was. They were playing the Detroit Red Wings. And I, I, what I'm always looking for in situations like this is the person has, like, the weirdest jersey. The person who definitely went to DH Gate and picked up something that is just a, an abomination to society. And I saw one. That is a reference to both Detroit and Toronto. But I still found it incredibly inappropriate to wear. Can you guess what name is on the back of this jersey? Curtis Joseph. Larry Murphy. Not bad guesses. The answer is Babcock. (laughs) (laughs) This man was walking around with a maple leaf sweater that said Babcock on the back. And I was like, oh, what What are we doing? One. I don't know why, but number one. Yeah, I know. Um, there's so many things wrong with that on so many levels. And I know that I have uh, more stringent jersey requirements than a lot of other people do. And I've relaxed some of those requirements recently. I do have an Austin Matthews uh, sweater hanging up in the closet right now. But um, it's uh, it was a little weird. And yeah, I feel like coach. That, yeah. Yeah. I don't especially think I've ever that seen coach. Like well, okay. Remember that better leave coaches ba- to put your to put a name on the back. Well, of course, yeah. If you want to go back to like Pat Quinn, then sure. Pat Burns. Pat Burns, absolutely. Yeah, that's. But like, yeah, that's what I mean. Like a, a recent coach that is 
not just kind of run out of here because in not the greatest of ways, but who's never going to coach again because of his last three weeks. Right. And that's that's another thing. And so I wonder, like, does this person even know what happened with Mike Babcock? It's also possible. And because this people do all the time, it could be their legitimate shoot last name. Yeah. Also, like, like, that guy walked around. Yeah. yeah. You could own the jersey and not have to wear it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I would maybe just leave that one in the closet. Like, I don't wear my Tim Tebow Jets jerseys when the Jets play. I just leave that one in the closet. That's actually a pretty funny one. You should bring that one. I have Brett Favre and Tim Tebow. See, these jerseys are fine. Like, I don't have a problem with that. But I would still, this is what I'm saying. I still leave them in the closet, mostly because Brett Favre stole from a charity. But I like the same kind of awareness rules apply to this person like maybe just leave that one in the closet speaking of jerseys if we have time at the end of the show which i don't think we will uh we should probably put a pin in the topic of the raptors new city jerseys that were um unintentionally (laughs) unveiled this past week because when because when i was showed the jersey of like a couple weeks ago i was told no one released this yet this is not public knowledge yet and then uh Mr. Schroeder, as he's taking pictures for this upcoming season, was posting it online. Like, oh, here's my new jersey. So it's out now, but um, it's ugly as fuck. But anyways, if we uh, have time, maybe we'll discuss that. Because we do need to get into some of the more uh, bigger topics of the week. And quickly, we're going to start with... Quick, quickly before we do that, my question yes. was, and I don't know if you want to address this now or if you want to get to it a little bit later. I just want to know your stance on taking tight ends in fantasy football. Oh, okay. <laughs> also, like, I just want to say both my tight end and the guy on the bench scored more than Michael Pittman. Okay, listen. <laughs> They're bringing and at one this point, up because you were eighty percent to twenty percent to beat me. Yeah, you and were okay, like, okay. Sunday afternoon. Went off. Again, listen. I'm playing James this week in our fantasy f- football league, okay? And all year, I have been making fun of James for carrying so many tight ends because they're fucking useless. They're tight ends. Just pick up one and play one. And the reason, one of the reasons why James is going to win this week is because... Not going to, he has. I think it, it's done. It's not done yet. Yeah, okay, because your boy's going to get like 45 points. It's not over till it's over. <laughs> George Kittle put up 24 points and look I'm not saying George Kittle isn't a good tight end I'm just saying if you have George Kittle you don't need to carry Darren Waller who uh do you still have Darren Waller on your roster you do <laughs> okay I do sure. and he had more points than Michael Pittman he did but if you also look at my bench Reynolds has 13.6 points McLaughlin had 14.1 points like I'm just saying the the purpose of your bench shouldn't be to carry tight ends you're not going to play. It should be to carry extra wide receivers and running backs. That's all I'm saying. So, but right. yes, you did end up winning, uh, most likely, uh, because so what the reason why I'm saying most likely is because um, we are recording Monday night. James still has uh, Jordan Love to play at quarterback, and I still have, well, I fucking had. <laughs> Uh, Aaron Jones, who all of a sudden is hurt now, and I have to pick up AJ Dillon, which is never a good idea. Like AJ Dillon, how many points combined has Dillon had this fucking year? <laughs> I, dude, had, I I'm looking at your three. bench. If you all you had to do was play Justin Fields, that's it. 
Oh, yeah, I know. I'm well aware. <laughs> that Lamar Jackson. Okay, look. And yo, you just got shit on this week for your fantasy. We'll we'll get into this, I'm sure, in the uh, football portion of the show. But Lamar Jackson didn't have a bad game. He, like, how many fucking he passes have a he threw? Game. He just didn't have a fantasy game. There was uh, okay. two thirty-six, one interception, six carries, forty-five yards, one fumble. Lot that fumble is what killed him. The fumble did hurt, but. One of my favorite tweets that I saw this week was someone saying, you know what? Lamar Jackson needs to develop as a passer. He he just keeps throwing the ball right into his receiver's hands, and that's a problem. These <laughs> <laughs> fucks who can't catch the ball. Like he's there was at least three or four drops between uh Aguilar. Flowers between uh Bateman and I I don't know if, I think Beckham dropped one as well. It doesn't matter. The point is 10 points from your quarterback is what's going to fuck you. It has nothing to do with the fact that George, your George Kittle scored 24 points. I had Laporta who scored 16. Like there was an yeah, eight but point he, difference. And I still, but I still beat you. You he haven't beaten time. me yet because <laughs> Jordan Love very well could get injured in the first play of the game, much like we have seen in different parts of this year. And all of a sudden they'll have to run the ball and they're just going to give it to Dylan and Dylan's going to put up. 45 points and then I'm, I'm gonna win so it's it's fine everything would is you fine. imagine could you imagine the absolute shit talk that i know i would eat for that would be wild. yeah i i just found it funny because like first thing i texted jim when i saw that game and i saw kittle's three tds i was like i wonder how dustin feels about t tight ends right now <laughs> the worst part about kittle getting three touchdowns is the fact that he had three receptions on the game <laughs> it's not even like he was a productive efficient. player. We call, in we call that efficient, just, Dustin. Yeah, we call that. Yeah, <laughs> right. that's efficiency. His efficiency rating was a hundred percent. Someone dropped Kittle in that the league sense. too, which is why, which is crazy to me. Yeah, that someone dropped because well, you don't need to carry four tight ends. No, because the dude was Kittle wasn't supposed to play for like three, four weeks, and then he ended up coming back, and you know he was a little bit limited in the first game back. And you know what? I just want to say, I, I hear you on the the wide receiver piece. I picked up Jamison Williams because he came off suspension, had 0. 0.2 points. Well, you, sure, but I mean, I, 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 you also have like Adam Thielen on the bench that you would have picked up, right? And yeah. so, like, what I'm, what I'm saying is, you're much better off using those positions. You're using your bench for guys who can help you in better ways. Um, and look, if we're honestly getting, if we're being honest about it, the Jets scoring 20 points is what did it. Yeah, that no. Well, the Jets defense being the Jets defense. Yeah. Yes, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah, they did, didn't that they? That fumble mm. return to end the game. We'll talk about that later because I, yeah. I got to. Yes. Anyway, I just wanted to ask game. that. Yeah. Yeah. We do have to talk about the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, last week on this show, we were talking about them being in the playoffs. And you know what? We're, we're pleasantly surprised that they made it into the playoffs. We didn't think they'd make it. We did the autopsy on this team a month ago. We didn't think they'd make the playoffs, and they did. And we were predicting that, you know what? I think they have a better roster. They're healthier. Their pitching's outstanding. I think I said them in two. Uh, they're going to take the series in two. I think James said in two. I think Maddie said in three. I said either way, all three of Jim us. Jim and me both said three, yeah. Okay, so either way, whatever the numbers were, all three of us said the Blue Jays should win this series. Uh, obviously, they didn't. <laughs> and... Oh boy, was there some um, <laughs> some talking points and there was some decisions made during the course of that game. 
obviously you've seen it and you know what happened with um jo- with John Schneider taking Jose Barrios out of the game in the third inning and replacing him with Yusuke Kikuchi. Now listen, it was game one when Gossman was struggling and I was yelling from the rooftops. It's like, why isn't Kikuchi up yet? Like, if you need a left-hander up and you're not going to use Kikuchi in a three-game series anyways, Gossman doesn't have it right now. They got something on him, whatever it is. Why isn't Kikuchi in this game? So I don't want to like crucify John Schneider for putting in Kikuchi when I was actively yelling for him to do it the game prior. However, when your pitcher is pitching well, <laughs> it's a different scenario. <laughs> it's not like the reason why I was suggesting it the day before is because Gossman wasn't pitching well. Um, Barrios is pitching great. And not to mention that he came to Toronto from Minnesota. Like he's pitched so many games in that building. It's it's just it was a strange decision, which ultimately led to the go ahead run and the winning runs scoring. Um. And yes, it's weird, and the entire narrative after that game that the Blue Jays eventually would lose was that honestly every single person that I think had a microphone in their face and talked about sports for a living in this city, whether it was the commentators or whether it was the sideline reporters or whether it was the analysts or the radio hosts the next day. I feel like the consensus was there must have been pressure from up top. I don't, they don't believe that it was John Snyder's unilateral decision to make that move and to make that replacement when he did. It was the analytics guys. And it was Ross Atkins, and it was Mark Shapiro. It was all of these guys putting pressure on John Schneider to make that move. Fast forward to a couple days later, where Ross Atkins has his end-of-season availability with the media, and those questions were then posed to one Ross Atkins, the general manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, of whose decision was that? What were you thinking when that happened? I don't know, James, if you have the audio or if I just read the quotes. I got it. Let's hear what Ross Atkins had to say during the media availability at the end of the Toronto Blue Jays season regarding the change of pitching in game two. Those meetings are John Schneider's meetings. He has a group of individuals that he prepares with every day. His process routine, his preparation was no different that day. Uh, The group is the staff that's on the field. It's not the front office. I do not attend these meetings and I certainly do not make those decisions. When that decision occurred, I found out about it when you did. Uh, When you say it was getting warm in the first inning, it was obviously very clear that we had a strategy to potentially deploy. There was no plan to concretely deploy that. John Schneider made that decision to deploy that, and that's that's what occurred. To me, that just sounds like Ross Atkins grabbing John Snyder from the collar and the belt loops and throwing him under the bus <laughs> and saying, fuck that, man. Yeah. That wasn't my decision. Dude, it it's yeah, that is in in all of my life in pro sports watching. <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> uh. not playing, watching uh, 
that is probably the biggest sewer job I've ever seen in my like top three sewer job because it's it's how he frames the response right oh the decision was Schneider's doesn't mean he didn't pressure him into the decision oh it's clear we had a, a structure yeah you could have put that structure there right oh it wasn't uh the call when to deploy it there was no guarantee dude like it's all it's all wishy-washy in the in the answer like it all kind of allows him to skirt responsibility and that's what drives me crazy is that it it definitely leaves the door open for interpretation because i mean if anyone calls him out on it, he'd be like well of course we had those conversations like oh i found out about it when you did yeah no i'm, I'm sure you did but i mean that you could break everything down to a technicality to say well i found out about it because that's when it was live well, yeah, but it doesn't mean you didn't tell him to do it, so right? So how I look at it is, sure, he may not have directly told him, but who hired any analytics people and who hired all of the sabermetrics nerds in that organization that would be advising the coaching staff and the managerial staff of this and that, and then to say, this is what has to be done. And, and Right, and who implemented that culture of saying, you defer to the analytics. Right. And so John Schneider could have been looking at that situation and in his head being like, I shouldn't be doing this, but knowing that those people in place are going to probably run to daddy, daddy Atkins and say, we told him to pull him and he never did it. Right. And then you have the issue of, I pay these guys a lot of money. This is the direction this club wants to go, or this is the direction I want this club to go. And you're not listening to them. You know what I mean? So that's how I kind of perceive it, uh, him washing his hands of it, saying, you know, I'm not in those meetings. No, but your cronies are, you know, um, he doesn't make that decision. No, but your cronies pretty much put it in place to say that. Right. So I just I think giving John Schneider the benefit of the doubt, which I haven't been inclined to do because there's been a lot of questionable decisions throughout this season. Um this is one that I don't think any smart baseball person would have made. And I mean, baseball person, not a metrics person. Um, I don't think this is one that they look at and say, this dude's arguably pitching his best game as a J ever. And in a playoff game where he's been for in a, in a stadium, like you said, that he's pitched in hundreds of times, you, you, you don't pull him. And I, th I, I don't think Schneider probably thought that, but he was like, I, I have to. Like, these people are telling me that I have to. This is what the numbers are saying, that I have to pull them. And his but this goes back. this goes back to the whole eye test versus metrics, like, argument school of thought, right? Like, it was the same with Justin Hall in Toronto. People would be like, but his metrics, his defensive zone, his, the blah, the expected goals for whatever. Bro, if you watch that dude play with your your, your naked attracting eyes – you would know that this dude wa gives up waffles, serves up turnovers on the constant. The, no metrics could tell you that in key moments, this guy wilted, right? And this is what I'm saying. Like, at some point, and, like, sports has existed for years beyond pre-analytics. Pre and, and somehow, some way, managers, players, whatever, like, like sport intuition is a thing right yeah. and there's at some point you got to say you know i like fuck the plan like this guy is pitching well. yeah new plan 
we're gonna go with what's working and like and also you know and part of me wonders and i'll serve this up to you guys do you think atkins saying oh schneider's gonna be back next year is a <laughs> a little bit of a hey man thanks for taking the taking the bag on this one or like um, i got a guy i can i can dump shit on and he'll do it for a job i think it's good yeah I think it's a little bit of both. I think it also, as we talked about with Leafs coaching, it's keeping one in the chamber where if this team, after all this shit starts off really bad, he can just offload and be like, Mattingly's in, you know, sideburns and all. And I I think that's, it's twofold. It's, you know, as you said, it's one that he can just pass off the blame and keep himself safe. And then the season starts. And if they're not, at least competing within a game or two by what would you say mid-may early june for division lead it's an easy way to be like well he's gone you know and put mattingly in or whoever else and you know what's also funny too like that even though that being the most egregious example of a mistake in that game it's not why the jays lost like the jays lost because they were the toronto blue jays and they played like the Toronto Blue Jays. They they were the autopsy that we called when we did it. They were they were that team. They couldn't get any offense. They they brain dead on the bags. Like absolutely brain dead. And like Which I don't, they've been good all season on mm, baseball. Mm, no. For, not <laughs> well, all season, but they're a lot better than they have been in the past. Some guys have been. Yeah. Maybe but. that's what's maybe that's what's polluting my kind of mindset on it is because you've had guys like Kiermaier who are very intelligent base runners, you know. Yeah, but they were they were shit at that. They like I said, there's zero offense. Uh, Sid Sixero had a rant, and I I normally don't agree with Sid, but he was pretty bang on. Look, Vladdy and and Bo aren't mature enough leaders. They aren't. Uh, they they can't take things seriously. I don't I don't think they. You know, Bo might put in the work on the field, but I don't think he puts the work in around the guys. Like, I don't think he 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 dra- like he doesn't drag people with him. Do you know what I mean? Like, he just doesn't seem like that guy, or at least the effect isn't showing. And the the and they they're gonna have a shit. This team is. I feel like we say this every year now with the Jays. This team is not gonna look the same next year whatsoever. They don't have a second no. baseman. They don't have a third baseman. They're not going to have a center fielder, potentially. They move Varsho to center. They're going to need a left fielder. Uh, they're they're going to need a DH. Like, so 60% of this team on the field is probably going to turn over. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, because it should turn over. <laughs> this yeah. team wasn't good enough, right? For three um, years, though. This has been lack of success for three years with these guys. Yes. And no, I, I agree. At what point, and this is my mindset, the first thing I started thinking is, uh, at what point do you seriously consider trading Vladi? I don't think you trade Bo, because no. Bo, like, while it was a terrible base running decision, in that moment, you kind of also want to rely on the guy's instinct, as we said, to be like, if you think you can beat it out, great. Although he was miles out, you know, you don't think Correa is going to be able to make that play, especially being injured. Or you think maybe the ball's a little deeper than initially intended or bobbled differently, and you can't see it because your head's to the back. That one I can accept way more than Vladdy's egregious base running or, I guess, base placement. But I just, 
at what point do you start saying Vladdy ain't it and I would already be saying it. I think I've already said on the show a number of times of like you package Vladimir Guerrero, George Springer, Alex Manoa, and you ship them to Anaheim for Mike Trout. And I think it helps everybody. But I would I don't think that I was, that's not going to happen. I don't think the Blue Jays are trading Vladimir Guerrero, but I would be very open to the idea of moving Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I like Bobachet. I understand uh, what you're saying, James. Um, but I still think there's something there that you can uh, that he can be a value to this team. So I wouldn't. But I, I don't think these guys should be looked at as the guys of this team. It sh- they shouldn't be looked at as okay. You are the face of this team. You need veterans in here, and not just like Brandon Belt coming in to be a 34-year-old veteran who's at the end of his career. I mean, you need guys in their prime who are veterans who can help support this team and be the face of this team so Bobachet doesn't have to be. If Bobachet can just go out there and be a shortstop and play baseball, he'll be an infinitely better player. Then I guarantee you that ridiculous play where he got thrown out in game one where he thought he could have made the play, if the offense was rolling... And he didn't have to be the guy to try to put the team on his back. That never would have happened. He would have stopped at third because the game would have been in hand. He would have trusted in the rest of his offense. To me, that looked like a guy who's like, I got to do this myself because none of these other motherfuckers can. So I think with enough changes, Bobachet becomes a better player. Also, I just want to call out too. Going back to our, our discussions last year. The fucking fact that they kept Alejandro Kirk over Gabe Moreno. Oh my god! Is okay, embarrassing. Well, okay, come on. To be fair, no, no one knew that Kirk was going to forget how to hit next. The, the next. No, season. but you, 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 a blue chip prospect who can do more outside of hitting than Kirk. Yes, but and I still okay, but also consider that Danny Jansen is hurt. If Danny Jansen was healthy, he would be the starting catcher in the postseason, and Alejandro Kirk would be on the bubble of you making his fucking team. Like, that's... So, from the Jays' perspective, they got Dalton Varsho, who, understandably, did not hit as well as they thought he was going to, but he was tremendous defensively. So, I am okay with taking that trade again if I'm getting Dalton Varsho back for Gay Moreno. But I'm, we don't I'm know. Bad. We don't know if they went to them and said, "Pick either Kirk or Mourinho as part of the deal." We don't know Jays, that. Yeah. yeah. So I'm saying, if that was the case, and it was one of the two, if you pick keeping Kirk over Mourinho, that's a huge, glaring misjudgment for someone who's so analytically driven as Atkins. Probably should have foreseen that. That's and a great Mourinho. point, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, actually, because. They we're, we're that analytics thing is driven down our throats about this pitching staff of like, oh, they took out Barrios because the analytics said that Kikuchi was better in this situation or whatever. But are they applying the same analytics to their offense as well? Because I feel like they're not. No, it doesn't. And look I like feel it. like a guy who has a speed zero out of ninety nine in MLB the Show and Alejandro Kirk, the analytics would probably say that his on base percentage is shit, right? Like, if, if the analytics don't say that then there's a problem with the analytics. So the way I look at it in terms of the Kirk Moreno thing is beyond just Kirk's straight power, which is really all you like about his hitting, is how many hit into double plays or how many stretch singles 
could have been made by Mourinho being a much better runner and faster runner than Kirk. So how many games lost because of double plays, not scoring in certain innings because Kirk couldn't make the bag on a tighter play that a faster player probably would have been safe or, um, you know, uh, a ball that maybe hit a little deeper into the gap at between third and second that the shortstop has to fade back a bit more and make a longer throw to first. That is an easy out on Kirk, but a runner like Mourinho can get there. I, I just think that in terms of outside of strictly power, which no one said Mourinho has no power. I, I baffled by why they kept Kirk so, over him. And it's just glaringly more obvious with this postseason. Moreno wore a 4-3, average of 285, seven home runs, an OPS of 747 with 50 ribbies, right? Six stolen bases. Kirk, a war of 1.9, home runs eight. So he had one more. Uh, 250 or a 250 batting average. 43 ribbies, zero stolen bases, obviously, and an OPS of 692. Okay, I'll give you a second to look up Danny Jansen as well, because I feel like that needs to be in the conversation. Um, but, Maddie, as you mentioned, the ground to double plays. I just looked that one up. Um, <laughs> it's so it's the most glaring issue with the Toronto Blue Jays is the ground to double play. In the top 10, the Jays had three guys in the top 10 for most ground to double so play bad. in the American League. Let me, let me guess. It was Kirk, it was Vladdy, and it was Varsho. Bringer. That's actually surprising. Uh, he might have been like hurt and he couldn't make it down to first as so well. Danny Jansen, 1.6 war, 228 batting average with 17 home runs, 53 RBIs, and a 786 OPS. Yeah, so I mean, both combined, him and Kirk wouldn't match the war of Moreno. So it's not really proving my point, but Danny had a lot more pop in his bat this year. For sure. Right, and, but and that's, that's just this year, right? And, but, and yeah. we know Danny calls a better game. Yes. Right. Yeah, and so, I think I think defensively he's probably better as well. Um, Kirk has one thing going for him. He can like, block to, a ball. <laughs> not well. He can block a lot of things. Um, the 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 play where he picks off guys off the lead off at first. Like Kirk is very good at that. And right, like that's where okay, cool. And like it's a neat play. It gets a pop every time it happens at the Rogers Center, but and you I know agree. what I mean. I just Mourinho is very close to a five-tool player, very close to a five-tool player, and you gave up that potential. Like, and again, we don't know if Arizona said to make this deal, Mourinho has to be part of it, right? Yeah. We don't know if they had said pick either Kirk or Mourinho, and but then find you know, a new we'll, deal, right? And that's the thing is is Varsho isn't, and I don't know. I don't know if like you guys would agree. To me, Varsho's not good enough to have demanded Moreno as part of that deal in my head. And this could be hindsight is twenty twenty, and we're looking back at what he's done this season and also in the playoffs. But for guys that value prospect pools and guys that value you know futures as much as they have, giving up a guy like that is just to me is just bewilderment. So yeah, I, I think you could have found a, maybe not as good defensive fielder as Varsho, but someone close for not having to give up Mourinho. Well, 
ultimately what it comes down to is the offense wasn't there. And I know we spent a lot of times talking about how dumb the move was by John Snyder, but I feel like that's consistent with James. He mentions off the top. And I think we talked about exactly this last year when they lost to Seattle in two games, the, the spanking that they get in the playoffs always seems to shine a light on all of the problems they had in the regular season. It, these two games in the playoffs are a microcosm of all of the issues that they had in the regular season. And it's, and at the same time, it also shows their strength and their strength was pitching and their pitching was great all throughout the playoffs, <laughs> all the, all, the whole two games uh, in the playoffs, but offense was a problem. And there's a lot of changes that can happen this year because I mean, Ross Atkins pretty much said it that Kiermaier is gone. Uh, Chapman is gone and belt is gone. He explicitly said uh, we're going to be missing those guys next year. So, I assume they have no intent of re-signing those guys. Or those guys have no intent of re-signing with the Toronto Blue Jays. He didn't mention Whit Merrifield, and I think that's only because Whit Merrifield has a player option in this coming offseason. So they're going to wait for him to decline the option for them to officially say Whit Merrifield's not coming back. So, the Blue Jays are... This is what I foresee happening. I foresee the Blue Jays saying, okay, Dalton Varsho is now our everyday center fielder. Because, look, you don't need two guys in the outfield who can't hit. I appreciate what Kiermaier and Varsho did together. But if they both can't produce offense, it doesn't make any sense to bring Kiermaier back. Varsho is perfectly capable of being a center fielder. You move him to center field. He is now your center fielder that can't hit. And then you go find a left fielder who can hit. And ideally a left fielder who can hit left-handed. Because there's only so many places in your lineup that you can hide a left-handed bat. That's one of those places. Remember Juan Soto? <laughs> How they uh, were willing to trade Vladimir Guerrero Jr. for Juan Soto? You're talking about that trade? <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, I, 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 right. well. I think that's the the plan. And I would imagine Aurelvis Martinez gets a look at third. And then Probably. Or, I, I mean, would you be surprised if they talked to Bo and say, move to second and Martinez at short? He's not no, there. I don't see that. I I, I think or Martinez, Martinez is second. could. I mean, you we're forget about David Schneider, who I That's think deserves true. a real opportunity to be the everyday second baseman of the Toronto Blue Jays. That's another and, thing is if this offense was so anemic, why didn't he get a look? Well, he was not very good down the stretch. Now. That's another thing that we need to talk about as well with. I mean, we talked about already on this show of like John Snyder's. Uh, managing decisions and how Davis Snyder has never fucking played, even though he was the hottest hitter on the team. And I know he was getting a lot of outs near the, the last times they were using him, but he was getting a lot of loud outs. Like he was hitting the ball hard. The contact. He just hard. happened to. Right. So I remember actually in a couple of those games where they needed to win to get in, he was flying balls like just into right field. They just at the warning track. Yeah. yeah and and Kevin Bichot did. Bichot did get hot as well. And thank Christ he did. <laughs> so I could also see the, the potential of Kevin Bijou being your starting third baseman next year. If just, they're they're things, not going to be a better team. Probably not. Objectively, <laughs> but, objectively worse. Yeah. Well, so I, I don't know if you guys have a list, if you've pulled one up, of 2023 free agents uh, for this upcoming season. There's There's options here. Right. Like there's definitely guys that you could look at and say, OK, you know what? 
what about it's the big fish, right? Everyone's talking about Shohei Otani. I honestly, I until it, until he signs with the Dodgers or with the Red Sox or with whomever that is the front runner to get him right now, I'm gonna hold on to hope that it's possible <laughs> that he signs the Toronto Blue Jay. Look, I think there's a way to sell this to the man. Say, look, we got Yusuke Kikuchi. He's Japanese. You guys should be friends. That's one thing you can say to him. You could also say, look, I know um, you're Japanese and you want to maybe be on the West Coast because you're closer to Japan. But what if I offer you not America? And that's what Canada is. It's not America, which is something that Japan also has in common with Canada. They're both not America. So that's also a, a potential way to sell this to Shohei Otani. But in all seriousness... I think it absolutely could be attractive to him if you market it in such a way that there's another country that you can be the face of. Japan already loves you, and you are Jesus to uh, the Japanese people in terms of a baseball perspective. And then, obviously, you have made a mark in, uh, in Anaheim and all across Major League Baseball as being one of the best baseball players ever, and you'll be revered as such by the American citizens. Now you come up to Canada and play for the Toronto Blue Jays and be the face of the Toronto Blue Jays. You now have an entire population of 40 million people that are in love with you for being who you are in Canada. So you can market it that way where it's a third country that you can be Jesus in if you come to Toronto. Now, that's also assuming that the Blue Jays are going to open up the <laughs> the checkbook for him. I don't know if that's actually going to be a thing, but boy, would he fit in and that either the left field spot that is now opened or, or a DH spot, perhaps. But if it was me, I think I would be looking at that DH spot for Joey Votto. So there's sadly, a guy that... Yeah. And I mean, sadly for me, in the left fielder spot, looking at that list, I might even circle back at Lourdes Gurriel. I was just thinking that too. Like, what's the likelihood of maybe going back to Gurriel? Although he may be like, fuck you, you guys got rid of me. I don't know. It depends yeah. on his I mean, love for Vladdy. There's another guy that I, I'm liking the look of for an outfield spot, and that's Cody Bellinger. Not who... happening. It's a mutual option. The Dodgers. Is it a mutual option for Cody Dodgers, Bellinger, really? Yeah, it's not the Dodgers. Sorry. The uh, Cubs are picking that up. The Cubs. Oh, so it is a mutual option. But his but his option, how much is even is it? Like, he might turn that down just because the value isn't there. If his base salary is, what, are $12 million? I think he can get way more on the open market. Actually, so even sure. if the Cubs say, yeah, we'll pick you up on $12 million, he's like, oh, okay, well, fuck you guys. I'll make 30 on the open market. We had an offer tabled on for Bellinger, didn't we? There was alleged rumors, <laughs> alleged rumors, that <laughs> the Jays were looking at uh, Cody Bellinger in the trade deadline. When he got traded from the Dodgers to the Cubs, it was uh, potential that, yeah, the Blue Jays were in on that as well. So, Possible. But and to me, that makes a lot of sense of a guy who can play the outfield and a left bat and has some pop and could also play first base if you manage to trade Vladimir Guerrero. I mean, that could also solve some problems. You trade Vladdy, what you get back for that could be solve your third base issue, could solve your left bat issue, could solve a potential left field yeah. issue. I mean, you got to remember, though, baseball is also a business and they're not going to trade Vladimir Guerrero for... Unless you're getting business back. Yeah. Especially the Unless you know you're either getting someone or signing someone or have signed someone. But I don't know. I just think like Matt Chapman's gone. 
Whit Merrifield's gone. Yeah. Kiermaier's just, gone. has gone. Like that's three big pieces, especially Chapman, who, yeah, he's not the greatest hitter, but that dude's a black hole at third. He was yeah, the greatest hitter absolutely for three he months. Was great. He was the greatest hitter for three not months. For three months. <laughs> for a month. Oh, was it? Yeah, month? April. Yeah, yeah, it was April. Right as the season started before pitchers really got moving. And I'm pretty sure he's gonna be a Yankee, so Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> they can take him. That's yeah. that's totally fine. I, I'm I'm not upset with that at all. Um the other guy that I was looking at, and I know you guys are gonna be a hard no on this one. Josh Donaldson or Marcus Stroman, get the fuck out of here. It's Marcus Stroman, who who is also available. Look, a back of the rotation guy who can also be maybe a front of the bullpen guy at this point in his career. I don't know if he'd be even interested in that role, but the way how strong the Blue Jays starting rotation is, I think he would be a huge help. Now, I don't think it's going to happen, but I, and I think they do need to add someone, though, because I don't think you can uh, bank on Alec Manoa coming back. Yeah, that's not... I, I don't think that's not right away anyway. I, I would almost look at guys like Giolito, Urias, right? Like you're going to want some guys with some some ute to them. Like yeah. All these guys no. are like 38. I mean, if you're getting a guy for one year, though, whatever. You know, like if you're getting a pitcher for one year um, and – throw him a shit ton of money fine whatever Aaron Nola anyway this sounds there's like a lot a, of options this sounds like a March conversation yeah absolutely um, a lot of options for the Toronto Blue Jays but the season is still quite a ways away um, but what you can do right now actually is visit our sponsor now your treasures because this episode is brought to you by now your treasures now your treasures are purveyors of licensed fine art prints for movies comics TV, and video games. Sourced from galleries in the US and UK, which include artists from all over the world. If you visit now your treasures on Instagram and send them a DM, 43.6, you will receive 43% off any order. All orders are shipped with tracking and complimentary insurance. View the entire ever-expanding inventory at nowyourtreasures.ca or .com. That's N-O-W. Y-O-U-R-T-R-E-A-S-U-R-E-S dot C-A or dot com. And remember, send a DM to Now Your Treasures on Instagram. 43.6 to receive 43% off any order. Gentlemen, in just a few short days, as of recording, actually by the time this comes out, tomorrow is the start of the Maple Leaf season. Actually, by the time this comes out, Tonight is the start of the NHL season. Yeah. I can't believe we're already here. It actually makes perfect sense since the Blue Jays got eliminated, and now it's time to uh, shift our focus to hockey. See, the Blue Jays knew their rightful place. They can't share the light with the Leafs, so they were just like, you know what? We'll bow out gracefully or ungracefully. (laughs) uh, Yeah, it wasn't really graceful. Yeah, and uh, we'll pave the way for the Leafs. I want to uh, share something with you because earlier today – we found out what the Maple Leafs opening night roster is going to be. However, if you take a look back in the the old time tunnel, and uh, if you look at Mark Masters on Twitter from almost exactly a year ago today, 
His tweet was Leafs lines in warmup 2022-2023 season opener. I don't know if you guys saw this tweet or saw me uh, copy this tweet into the show notes. Mm-hmm. But here's the here's the lineup for your Maple Leafs last year in game one of the season. Your top line was Austin Matthews in between Mitch Marner and Michael Bunting. Your second line was John Tavares in between William Nylander and fucking Dennis Malgin. Your boy. Oh, brother. Your favorite player. You should get a jersey from DHgate with hmm. Malgin on it. It'd be better than a Babcock jersey, that's for sure. <laughs> Your third line was Alex Kerfoot, Harvard graduate Alex Kerfoot. <clears throat> In between Pierre Engvall, him of seven giraffe, years and three and a half million from fucking the Islanders, the giraffe on skates with Callie Yarncroak. And then you had David Kampf in between the two law firms of Aston Reese and Obey <laughs> Kubel. Wouldn't it be funny if the law firm was Aston Reese, Obey, and Kubel? <laughs> it was like Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. Remember him? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Exactly where I got that from. And then on defense, you had Riley with Brody, <clears throat> Muzzin with Hall, Giordano with Sandine, Matt Murray, your starter as Ilya Samsonov, was on the bench. Oh, brother. Obviously, we have seen some changes. Hall is fortunately uh, packed up and gone elsewhere. Sandine was traded. Muzzin's up in the front office now. He is a pro scout announced today. So good on the Maple Leafs for giving Jake Muzzin a position with the organization. I think we all kind of knew that with his neck injury, he probably wasn't coming back to hockey. I think today was a good indication that he likely has retired. Aston Reese, I think, doesn't play in the NHL anymore. Uh, Obey no, Kubel also. With Detroit. Yeah, Detroit. Oh, he did actually get one. I know he's on a PTO, but I didn't know he actually signed one today. He did. Yeah, he got one today. Obey Kubel, I don't know, is in the NHL anymore. <laughs> Uh, um, I think he's still in Colorado. No. D- uh, uh, Den- <laughs> I was going to say Dennis Engvall. That does not exist. Pierre <laughs> Engvall signed that ridiculous deal with the Islanders. Uh, fortunately, he's no longer the Maple Leafs problem. Dennis Mulligan, um, I f- thought for sure was going to end up in Pittsburgh just because of uh, Kyle Dubas must have some sort of naked pictures in the pre- uh, possession of Dennis Mulligan. And a Mulligan-Mulligan line would be unreal. It sure would. And then Michael Bunting, of course, is no longer with the Maple Leafs. If you look at the Leafs roster, what will likely be their opening night roster for 2024 tomorrow night against the Montreal Canadiens. Your top line is Austin Matthews in between Mitch Marner and Tyler Bertuzzi. Your second line, John Tavares in between William Nylander and Max Domi. Just those two alone, you're like, God damn, this is like a video game. This is not fair. This is this is Chell 24 right here. Yeah. Then we have an interesting third line of Minton in between Nyes and Yarncroak. So Yarncroak makes sense. Um, I think for a lot of people, Nyes was probably penciled in the top line with Matthews and Marner. At the end of last season, yeah, until the Bertuzzi signing for sure. At very least the second line. I think <clears throat> yeah, some very people least figured it. they would move Max Domi to a third line center. But that's yeah, what happens it. when you have a guy like Fraser Minton who absolutely goes in and says, F it, puts his best foot forward and works his ass off and earns that spot. 
And then your fourth line is Camp in between Reeves, who is a free agent signing in this offseason that we we know is just a man who's there to punch people in the face. And Gregor as well, who hasn't signed a contract as of yet. Um, I believe he will. And that was the purpose of why Sam Lafferty was traded earlier today. Was that today or was that yesterday? That yesterday. was yesterday. Sam Lafferty was traded to the Vancouver Canucks for a fifth round pick or something to that effect. Yep. And then on the back end, you got Riley with Brody McCabe who was traded uh, to the Maple Leafs from Chicago near the trade deadline last year. John Klingberg is with McCabe, unfortunately. And then Giordano and Lilligren is going to be your uh, final pairing there. So all that being said, I know it's a lot to take in. Looking at those two lineups from last year to this year, which do you prefer? Which would you rather be icing right now? Last year's starting lineup or this year's starting lineup? This is tough because we know who some of these guys are just because like, it's easy to look back and be like, well, this guy and this guy, obviously this year, I would much rather this year because, you know, uh, Bertuzzi is a definite upgrade in terms of skill and over bunting, like what bunting did well, he did well, but I think Bertuzzi brings you more, a little bit more grit, a little more skill, a little bit more feistiness and edge than bunting did and less penalties. And all, well, absolutely control. <laughs> and also keep in mind that bunting was only nine hundred thousand dollars, right? That's no, I, I I agree. But if you look at what it would have cost to keep bunting, he would have been the same as Bertuzzi for an extended period of time. So I'm cool with it. Domi on the second line with Tavares does make sense. Um, what really excites me, and again, obviously it's preseason, and you know guys don't play against top line. They're top rosters all the time and sometimes you're playing against ahl guys or guys that are mailing it in for a game but that third line of yarn minton and nice that i i really like that line mostly because the games that we did see them in they were annoying as shit to play against they were on the puck at all times causing a lot of turnovers the chemistry with minton and nice was very evident because they <clears throat> they moved the puck well. It seemed like they knew where each other were at all times. And Yarncrook is defensively sound and capable that you're not worried about two younger guys on the ice like that. You know, you have a forward who's a vet who can keep up with them and play with them um, and be a, a hound the puck in the same way as they do. They just very high energy line. Um and for a kid who's 19 to see Minton be such a high IQ, you know, in terms of the defensive game, it's, I'm excited to see how that line does. And obviously, and I was saying this to Jim earlier, it's one thing to say that, you know, Minton earned his spot and he's here. Like it's, it's great. He'll be good for five or six games, but how does he look in mid late November? How is he looking in December if they keep him that long past the nine games, right? Like when the grind really starts, you start getting tired and you know, you're out of your home life routine and you're playing, you know, three games and four nights, you know, how does he look then? So, uh, I definitely like this year's roster a lot better. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to to see how, again, that young third line does and also how that goalie tandem does because, I mean, as much as you think Samsonov will pick it up and continue on, it's the injury history terrifies me. Yeah, no, I mean, the, t- the tough thing is, is and I, I think I heard Jeff O'Neill say this on the 
the Leafs broadcast is the NHL is not a developmental league, right? So like the kid looked great in preseason. He has nine games to prove that he needs to stick around or else they're going to send him back to the dub or he's going to have to burn a year of his ELC. But I mean, like you said, the chemistry between him and Nyes is, is undeniable. He wins a lot of puck battles below the red line, which is something that, you know, I think traditionally from Leafs lower bottom six centers probably didn't get. Like, I didn't feel like Kerfoot won a lot of puck battles uh, and things like that. So he's really good at, at that. You know, he's 6'2", almost 200 pounds. So there's there's a little bit of size there and reach, which is valuable. I think ensuring that he is defensively responsible, I think will be the the biggest focus because by all like by all intents and purposes it seems like his his offense and his chemistry with Matthew Nyes is is there enough to sustain him but you know like you said can he do it in game 34 60 right i don't know i'm i'm still listen this this team is built in a way that can beat you different ways which is what we've always said i think and always come to an agreement on that the Leafs need to find a way to do there's different ways this team is going to be able to win games. They're going to be able to grind it out. They're going to be able to beat you with speed and skill. Um, they're going to be able to play defensively by the looks of it, which is those are all great ways, you know, depending on who you're playing. I'm still very worried about the defense. I still think there is not enough meanness and aggression on the back end when the going gets tough. And that is a little bit concerning. And I know, listen, I know guys like Benoit and LeJoie didn't get picked up in, in waivers, so they could be options because uh, they are a little bit meaner. I mean, that LeJoie kid seems to be a little bit of a piss and, vinegar. piss and vinegar defenseman as well, right? So there's options there. I, I'm I'm just concerned that, you know, I mean, if Riley plays the way he played in the playoffs – then great. I just don't know if he can do yeah. for 82 games. Brody's not very tough. Gio's a little older. He's not going to be able to sustain that. Lilligren, I mean, he's a big body, and he, he kind of boxes guys out, but he's not... At the end of the day, who's... Like you said, we have Samsonov, and we have Wall. If one of these guys goes down, it's going to be very, very bad news. I don't, I don't know if there's anyone protecting these goaltenders uh, on the back end, so I kind of hope that that gets addressed. But other than that, this this opening night lineup is far and ahead better than than last year's. I also I also think though, Geo probably doesn't play all eighty two. Like, let's be real, he I, he got burnt out by the time playoffs start that he was exposed in the playoffs. I think you I think he gets load managed, and you see Benoit in there. You might see Lajoie in there, um, and then sorry, one sec. <coughs> Oh, it was right in there. Um, I think, and whoever's potentially a standout in the Marlies, you know, for whatever stretch when it's time to get Geo out and rest for a game or two, you might see them called up and, and inserted into the lineup. Because um, you know they're going to be doing the paper transactions with guys like Nyes and whoever can go up and down to the Marlies to save that cap space and accrue cap space so that they can do those call-ups. Um, so I... I I foresee one or two of those guys coming in a little bit more often. Um, 
But I agree. It's concerning that there's no one on the back end. I guess the hope is that with Reeves there that you may not need that because if anyone gives him shit, Reeves will probably go in regardless and mess some people up. Um, it, the astounding thing, though, is with all the waiver drops that the Leafs had that no one got picked up, especially Martin Jones with Tampa goaltending situation right now. I'm genuinely shocked Martin Jones didn't get picked up by them. Although... They have zero cap. They've got like $2 in cap space. Right. And I think that's exactly what it is. I I don't remember who tweeted this earlier. James, I think you shared it as well. But there was someone who was saying like, this is Gary Bettman's cap system where so many guys have lost their job because there are so many teams in the NHL that are so cap strapped that they can't carry a 23-man roster. Dude, look at the Teams are entering the the season. The Senators are like... Think about look go look at their situation. That's a perfect example of what you're saying. They cut Josh Bailey. They have to find room for Shane Pinto. Right. And all so there's so many of these teams that normally would say, okay, I'm gonna have an extra forward or an extra defenseman on the roster that we can rotate some of these guys in and out. They're all dumped on waivers. They've all been traded. They're all sitting now in the American League. And all those other guys who are on the bubble in the American League have just lost their job and they're no longer professional hockey players. Because or, of yeah, the way this year going to Europe. Yeah. The way this system has been set up. And I think it's definitely something that's going to be a topic of conversation when the next lockout happens and the player association is going to be like, hey, there's you know two spots on every team. That's 60 guys who don't have NHL contracts right now because you know this cap is such a fucking disaster. And maybe there just needs to be a better way. I don't know what that is. Like Luxury if it's tax. maybe, um, I don't know. I, I don't know what the right tag. answer is, but it's yeah. I I think freedom. yeah, like a franchise tag. We have one player that doesn't go against your cap. So for, hypothetically, 50, even fifty percent of it doesn't. Like yeah, you know. Are there, yeah, I was gonna say it. Also, too, the NHL is kind of shooting themselves in the foot because it also takes away from the excitement of trade deadlines and off season and shit like that because. Teams are so strung up against it that they can't make the big dick swinging moves that you see in the NBA or, you know, that makes it so exciting that people are glued like trade deadline. It's third, fourth line players every year or, you know, uh, the seventh round pick for this depth seventh defenseman is going to Toronto for, you know, Max Lajoie, who's, you know, a team liked and said, well, if we get hurt, it's nice to have him you know, potentially at the right, like it's just, it's so not entertaining anymore because like you said, teams are so strapped. How different do you think the Maple Leafs roster would be right now? If there was no salary cap? Very. Oh, we, we look like the fucking Yankees. Yeah. Yeah. If there was no salary cap, I guarantee you what, what happens is, is every player holds out and the Leafs throw money at Drysaddle. They throw it at McDavid. They throw it at Matthews. You would have your like your starting centers as McKinnon, Matthews, McDavid. That would be your top three centers because Leafs would be like, "Fuck it, we'll buy a cup." I mean, maybe, but like the cap, <clears throat> it didn't exist in our lifetime. Like there was times where the Maple Leafs were operating teams that, and maybe the two thousand three team is the best example of it. And if you look at that, like just before the lockout, the first. Excuse me. Just before the first the lockout that created the salary cap, so the 0304 season that didn't happen, um, or the 0405 season that didn't happen. Whatever the case, early 2000s, 
And yeah, you look at that roster, the Maple Leafs, it was it was a Hall of Fame team. It was Matt Sundin, it was Gary Roberts, it was Joe Newendike, it was Ron Francis playing in the fourth line. Alex <laughs> Just, McGillney. Alex yeah, McGillney Alex was McGillney. there. Yeah. Nolan was just hanging out in the third line. Darcy Tucker, yeah. yeah. Brian Leach was hanging out, having a good time as well. It brought in Owen Nolan at the time, yeah. yeah. At Belfort, Curtis Joseph were your goal, goalies for a few years spread out there. It's The Rangers did it. The Rangers had Darius Kasparaitis, Eric Lindros, uh, Pavel okay. Bure. But... And but we're talking from a lens of hey we're Toronto sports fans so it would benefit us, but the Las Vegas Golden Knights just won the Stanley Cup, so I bet Gary Bettman's looking at it from the other side of like hey we have parity now and anyone can win the cup at any time, versus just having the Leafs, Rangers, and Blackhawks and I don't know the Red Wings maybe Canadians right so contenders. This is what I think is if you create a luxury tax where teams like the Rangers, the Leafs, the Canadians can go over X percent of the cap, but they have to pay into a pool. That pool gets then spread out financially to the other teams in the league so that, say, the lower-end teams, so say like Arizona, who may not be able to afford that $8 million player, can now afford that $8 million player because they're allowed to dip into that pool because they make X percent less under revenue. The argument is that all those rich teams paying into the tax are going to have those players anyway, right? So you're going to end up in a situation where these teams are paying into the pool, but the players still aren't available. So these teams are just making money to exist and be shit, which is why but, I kind of like I kind of like the idea of, of taking a, a fraction of a player's salary off the cap as a franchise tag. Like if you think about it, if you think about Austin Matthews, right, and you put a 25, even if it's 25%, that's like $4 million. Mm-hmm. That saves this team currently, right? Like, And gives them well, some they're, room they're, to have they're, There's players. your number one, two defenseman even. Or... That's what I'm saying, right? For most, for most teams where they're top guy, a 25% cap space relief is, you know, I, or, or I guess you just raise the cap by $4 million is no different, right? Like, I guess that's... Well, I think that's actually where the cap is going in the next couple of years anyways. It is going to increase. But to a certain extent, oh, I like sorry, the idea of... The salary propor- but if the salary is percentage of someone's salary, then it's proportionate, right? So as salaries grow, it's, it's the the relief is proportionate to the salary. I didn't think about right. that. But sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Well, no, what I'm saying is like, I get the luxury tax idea. And I like the idea of, okay, if you spend $10 million over the luxury tax, that means that $10 million is essentially you're paying for players to play for uh, Arizona. So that $10 million is essentially given to the Coyotes and say, here you go, here's $10 million. And you now have free money that the Maple Leafs are going to pay for, for you to pay for this player. But yeah, as Maddie was saying, if if all the players are already gone, that just ends up being uh, moot at that point, right? It'd be... It'd be cool to take Jim's franchise tag idea and apply it. You get one player as forward, one player as D, and one tendy. Maybe not the tendy, or maybe it works differently for a goalie. But you know, you get thirty percent savings on a forward. You get thirty percent savings on a D man, and you get like twenty percent savings on a goalie. Just yeah, something yeah, that moves with the cap, you know. But I just want to make you aware of this, though, because. That luxury tax, if it were to exist and were to afford these uh, teams at the bottom of the barrel to spend more, that's kind of what the, other than giving them the money, 
that's kind of what the the cap floor is doing. Because if you look at a team like the Chicago Blackhawks, they're paying Corey Perry $4 million this season. There is zero reason for Corey Perry to be making $4 million this season other than, shit, we got to get to the floor. So, um, all right, Corey Perry, you get $4 million. Nick Foligno, you get $4 million. And like, who wants $4 million? Anyone else wants $4 million? You, you get $4 million. And they're just trying to just get up to the cap, right? I guess the only difference with the luxury tax situation is that the $4 million they're giving to Corey Perry would have uh, been a check written by Brad Tree Living. Mm-hmm. And so I get it. Um, but that's the Maple Leafs. I don't know if you guys have anything else on uh, their game. We should probably uh, talk uh, also about the other teams in the NHL that are also starting their season on the same day as the Maple Leafs, and in some cases, the day before the Maple Leafs. Um, Quickly, where do you predict yes. they finish, like points-wise? What did they have last year, and what do you think they're going to do this year? I think they had like 108 last year. They had a lot of points, and that was the reason why um, Sheldon Keefe was brought back and the whole narrative was, well, this is one of the best seasons the Toronto Maple Leafs have ever had. So how can you possibly suggest to replace your head coach when you have historically one of the best seasons in the history of the franchise? So do I think they will also have another historic year for their franchise? Probably not. Close. But yeah, they got to be close. It'll be like, relatively uh, it, the same within four or five so points. They had 111 points. Their record was 50, 21, and 11. That's a very good record. It's a very good record. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they're at that, maybe one or two up or one or two down in terms of points. So um, you think they, they float the similar record for the regular season? Yes. I also think, though, actually, no, I think it'll be better because I think the games you have against Tampa without Vasilevsky early in the season, severely hurt Tampa. And Tampa doesn't look, they're not the same team. They got gutted as well. It was time that it was going to happen, and it was this year. Um, I also think Boston takes a step back. There's no Bergeron. There's no Krejci. Essentially, Pavel Zaka is their top center, which he has not been great. They have no Taylor Hall, so no depth scoring. Tyler Bertuzzi's gone, no depth scoring. You're essentially putting it all on the back of kind of the same D and hoping that one Linus Olmark repeats from what he did last year and two that Pasternak and Marshawn can carry the load. They should also have Swayman back as well. So Olmark uh, could have some help, mm-hmm. but you're right. Like I obviously, yeah, I, I agree that the uh, Bruins aren't what they used to be. So if you look at just FanDuel's odds for winning the Stanley cup, the Maple Leafs are tied for fourth of best odds to win the Stanley cup at, Plus eleven hundred. Your number Avalanche, one favorite to win the Stanley one. Cup, Absolutely. the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, are plus yeah. eight fifty to win the Stanley Cup. Carolina Hurricanes are in second with plus nine hundred. New Jersey Devils plus a thousand. Sneaky good pick though. The Devils are going to be really good this year though. Like very. And then, good. But the spread, the tied, point spread between those teams isn't very large. No. No. And then tied for plus one uh, plus eleven hundred is the Maple Leafs and Dallas. Correct. Yeah. yeah. No, nope, the Edmonton Oilers. Oh. Dallas Stars are plus 1,300, so they're right there. So I do think the Leafs realistically probably win the Atlantic this year or they're second in the Atlantic. They'll be battling all season if we look at what they've done to upgrade certain spots and if they continue on like they did from last season's success, not the playoffs. Um, one, two in the Atlantic is probably realistic for them. They're defensive. They are to win their division. 
They're they're a defenseman away from being dominant. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like a legit number one, like like a horse, like a Victor Hedman, Kel McCarr, somebody like that that just absolutely carries that D. I agree. Yes, but that would also cost them like eight million dollars. So that's not or if you're Buffalo, it costs you eleven just, million. I'm telling you, they just need a guy who can skate and protect the goaltender, and yeah. they would be. Sadly, it's the guy like Yanni Hakenpa in Dallas who's hurt right now. But a guy like that would be incredible. But. Mm-hmm. Um, so you did you so yeah I don't know I think they'll probably float around the same I think I'm with you I think they're either one or two up or one or two down just depending on the, the season and again you're not gonna have those muffin games from Murray right the inconsistency there you're gonna hope that Samsonov is what he was the back half of last year you also have and better insurance on the back end with Jones clearing waivers that if Wall or Samsonov goes down. You have a very, very NHL capable goalie to come in for stretches. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm a little capable, but he is an NHL goaltender. I'll give you that. <laughs> he, he did well with Seattle last been, year. He has been yeah. an NHL goalie. <laughs> he has been a goaltender in the NHL. I will agree with that statement. I think, honestly, they absolutely should win their division and they absolutely should make some noise in the playoffs. There is no excuse, other than the defense looking a little suspect right now. There's no reason why this team can't be among the best in the NHL. Even if Samsonov goes down with an injury, I believe in Joseph Wool. I, I think the we kids got it. I believe in Harvey Dent. I believe in Joseph Wool. Mm-hmm. We should make some pins. Put a 43.6 logo on there, too. There you go. Hand them with out again. The, yeah. There's the... yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Oh. Canva, make cards. We'll just drop little, them on people's... Old school Smash Wrestling guerrilla market campaign. Yeah. Just go go to the, go to the home opener. Start handing out pins. Like I believe in Joseph Wall, but the, there's also a QR code at the bottom. And they go scan their QR code and automatically uh, downloads the latest episode of the podcast. No, you know what? It we takes them to lemonparty.org. Fuck it, let's do it. <laughs> Lemon Party. <laughs> but um, well, you know what the other thing is too the the depth of this team now. If you think about it, if guys get hurt, like you said, next man up, it like it's Pontus Holmberg and Nick Robertson. So I'm not as concerned. Like I'm a little more confident in long-term sustainability of this team which I, yeah. historically has not been <laughs> i also think guys are slotted into where they should be a little better yeah. like camp is fourth line and reeves and gregor are there which again reeves doesn't have to be the fast skater camp is fine he gets on the puck and gregor's, and gregor's, uh, gregor's a little shit yeah he's a little shit so he'll get in there i just think guys are slotted realistically where they need to be you're not worried about Kerfoot potentially being as your second line winger and miscast in that position. That's what I'm saying, right? Even if their guy goes down, you bring in a Robertson to play second line wing, which right. is way, which I think fits better than a guy like Kerfoot. Also, before we move on, the have you seen the way guys have talked about this team this year? There's a different. This team is a different swag than it's been I, years previous. Especially you look I at Mitch Marner's Reeves. face when they ask yeah. him about Bertuzzi and Domi. There's a guy who's happy he has tougher guys around him than you I think previous. a lot of that's Ryan Reeves yeah I also just like you can see just in some of the pregame highlights the effect Reeves has had like I was saying to you the other day oh the um, Samsonov was, yeah like he stands at the door Samsonov is there release Reeves the looks down he looks around he's like all right Sammy release the boys and he taps him on the pads and Samsonov starts running down the tunnel like just things where it's serious and but still kind of lighthearted and enjoyable and i just think 
where all these people shouldn't said, oh, great, he can't skate and all he does is punch people. Well, yeah, on the ice, that's what his job is. But I think the effect and we can't under or we can't overstate enough what having a guy like that and not just a random third, fourth line guy that it's like, you know, okay, he's kind of like Reeves is a personality. Like this is a guy that can go in there and what are you going to say to him? He'll punch you in the teeth. These different people said they had that with Simmons. It's not the same. It's no. Like this is not. This is the heavyweight champion of the world. This is this is a guy who hates to lose. Yes. The only thing that I can say though is that hopefully they play Reeves. Yeah. Because you know they had Simmons in that role and they never played him. It's like, well, what? Well, <laughs> I think the pizza point. Simmons, I think also had, is- Simmons also had a mean case of HBK back. Like there was. There yeah, was no, bad injuries and. Yeah. I also too, I, oh go ahead. I was gonna say what also concerns me is that last year the, there always seems to be the whipping boy of this team. When when the games go wrong, everyone's like that fucking Justin Hall, you know, or like or, fucking Alex or, Kerfoot. It, yeah. or exactly, or it's Alex Kerfoot. Who's or the whipping boy? <laughs> that was gonna be my question. Or is Pierre Engvall? My I guess? assume the new whipping boy is gonna be Klingberg. Yeah, oh, Klingberg. Yeah, oh. you're right. I, Klingberg Kling- or Lilligren. Based on yeah. the end of last year, or Brody, um, because there's already people talking about trading him, right? Maybe Yarncrock. Hmm. I wouldn't maybe. actually. I wouldn't be surprised if Marner gets it. There or Neilander, who's on. Mm. Yeah, there just aren't mm. a lot of guys. Like I think, like looking at Kerfoot's salary and Hall's salary compared to what they were providing, like that's where the that's where those tough conversations came in, right? Yarncrock's making two point one. If he nets twenty goals again. I'm not yeah. bitching yeah. about 20 goals from a... I guess, what I'm, I guess what I'm getting at is I don't see it um, as clearly. And I guess hindsight is yeah. providing that uh, clarity. But I don't. looking at this lineup, I don't necessarily uh, easily point out... Other than Klingberg. I don't easily point out, um, oh, that's going to be the new fucking Justin Hall. Or that's going to be the new uh, Jake Alex Kerfoot. Which I is good there. Jake Gardner. Exactly. Yes. That's what, kind of what I'm <laughs> laboriously getting to is that... It's a good thing that there isn't a clear, glaring issue with this team that everyone is going to be pointing at and saying, you guys fucked up because, well, this guy's on the team. So the one thing I was going to mention before we do move on, and I know we've tried to kind of segue, is about the Reeves thing. He doesn't play every game, and I think we know that. I think you play Pittsburgh, he's probably not playing. You play a team that not really big, that is more of a speed game, you probably see him sit out for a guy like a Nick Robertson to get in or someone of that ilk maybe a homeberg but i do think that he's probably going to play 75 percent of the games especially those west coast games he's all over those of the list i don't know if you guys pulled up the list i'll give you a second to pull it up if you like um the odds of winning the stanley cup this year and all the teams that are on it you have the colorado avalanche at the very top at plus 850 and then all the way at the bottom, the Chicago Blackhawks were plus 20,000. And there's some value there, honestly. Anytime someone gives you plus 20,000, there's some value. <laughs> um, Tell you what the value this. I sent you about the uh, U.S. Open for tennis. Oh, I've already made a parlay on whatever a tennis match is happening this week or whatever. I just said, okay, fine. I'll, I'll make a parlay of all the favorites and see what happens. So we'll see about that. But... Not sponsored by FanDuel. If you look at the odds of all the teams in the NHL and their chance of winning the Stanley Cup, who do you like on this list? And who do you think on this list 
is probably a bit too high. What's interesting to me, what immediately jumps out is the Vegas Golden Knights um, being plus 1,300. That puts them in like mm, fifth or sixth place in terms of best odds to win the Stanley Cup. I know repeating is hard, so I'm not necessarily saying I think they are going to win the Stanley Cup again. And that, by the way, that ring they showed off yesterday, I don't know if you guys saw it. Oh, it was Ooh. nice. Gaudy. That's a nice that's a nice ring. James, I don't know if you saw this fucking thing, but it is uh it's a nice ring. If like you can take the top off and wear it as a pendant and some shit, like come on. Mm-hmm. Nice ring. These guys. It's clever. It's a very nice ring. I wish uh, we had one of those in Toronto. Um but I think they are getting a little shafted here. I feel like they should be a little higher than the plus 1300, but I understand. One that I do want to point out. And look, I'm not saying they're going to win the Stanley Cup. So I'm not necessarily asking you guys to tell me who at the bottom of this barrel is going to win the Stanley Cup. But I don't think the Chicago Blackhawks are going to be dog shit. I know their goaltending is super sus. I understand. Peter Morazic ain't it. Okay? I know Nikita Zaitsev ain't it. Seth Jones. But, but Seth Jones is real good. And No, he's not. No, he's not. I like Seth Jones. Like him all you want. He's trash. I don't like Seth Jones for nine and a half million dollars. Okay. But that is, yeah. a, but, but yeah. that is again, we're talking about teams trying to get up to the floor of the cap. Yeah. Fair. So no, they made that deal before that where they were trying no, to. But they knew where they were going. Yeah, I yeah, they knew yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's fair. Yep. We'll take that. I like Seth Jones. I think Connor Bedard's gonna be real good, and I'm not. Less, I'm not breaking any news by saying that. I, I predict at least 85 points for that dude. You you put him in there with Taylor Hall. There's stuff that can happen. <laughs> Crazier things have happened. So I'm just saying. There is a team to watch here, and I don't think it's to watch because we're going to laugh at them. I think they can actually make a bit of noise this year. They're going to catch a lot of teams off guard, um, and I think they're going to win a lot of games with teams maybe sleeping. Like those sleepy Tuesday, Wednesday night games in the middle of December, they're going to catch a lot of those teams, you know? Being at home, teams on the road, final game of the team's road trip before getting back, and they're going to take those. Um, and I think you'll see them get a lot of loser points. You know, like a lot of tie games that they lose in overtime. Just do. Yeah. So I I don't think Chicago is going to be as bad as what some may predict um, or think. I don't think they're necessarily going to be playoff team, but I think they'll They'll probably hang around it till December, and then you'll probably see them drop off. But yeah, I think they'll be a lot better than what we think. So if you, you put do. the, uh, I was gonna say, if you put five bucks on the Blackhawks right now to make the playoffs, forty-five bucks will be your return. Ooh, not bad. Um, not bad. I'm not gonna do it, but so are you <laughs> doing bad. high? Are you doing high-low on these teams? Like, who do we think is gonna overperform? Who do we think is gonna underperform? Yeah, so I, I guess my pick to uh, be a lot better than what people are suggesting is the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, and then who, I, who's your mm, worst team? A team that I think is up there but probably shouldn't be? Yeah. Uh, the Florida Panthers. I don't okay. know if I believe in that team as much as everyone else does. They're, I don't know. It's just something about, maybe it's just the fact that it's Florida. And I always look at the Panthers as like, 
a retirement home franchise. God's and I think room. of, you know, like that's where Joe Newendike went to retire. That's where Gary Roberts went to retire. So I know they're not quite that team anymore with the Chuck and Barkov and like they're they're a serviceable team. But is Bobrovsky still good? Like, I mean, he had a hot second half of the season last year. But if he doesn't work out for them, they're in yeah. trouble. They're well, big Alex trouble. Lyon or Spencer Knight, right? Yeah. Well, no, Alex Lyon's gone. He's in Detroit. Um, All right. It's it's Anthony Stollers right now as their backup, and Spencer Knight is uh, not on the team. <laughs> well, yeah. So. <clears throat> <That's>... <laughs> um, if I had to pick my overperformer, I I honestly think I like the look of the Buffalo Sabers, man. I think they are built. If their goaltending is for real, then they are going to be a very tough out, and they could make they could absolutely make the playoffs. I think the Buffalo Sabres are building from the ground up and they're going to be a very good team for a long time. And I actually look like Tage Thompson is a beast, man. Oh yeah. You guys are making fun of me about Seth Jones and 9 million bucks. How do you feel about Rasmus Dahlin making 11 million bucks? Ooh, that's bad. I mean, it, it locks up him and Owen power for, they're going to well, be locked Owen up power, for a long time. Owen power is going to be coming out of his ELC next year. And he's yeah, going to be not an identical contract. <laughs> Close to an identical contract. I wouldn't. Mm. I just. I don't know, man. Like, I think eleven. I think nine million is a good spot for Darlene. Maybe eight and a half. But if you have two defensemen making eleven million dollars, they're gonna have some serious he's, issues. He's down the just. Road. He is that good, though. Like he. Like. Yeah. Don't. Don't get it twisted. Like he is. Every bit as good as that dollar figure. I just don't know a team can commit to that. I mean, the. The Sharks kind of did, and it kind of buried them, but. We'll see. And then my, uh, oh, I don't think the Boston Bruins are anywhere close to what they were. And I don't think they're going to, like a plus 1700 top three, six, nine team. I don't, I don't see it. Mm. Yeah. Especially with all the like subtractions from their roster, especially the heart and the soul Bergeron. It's tough. Um, my overperformer, I think is, I'm looking at this list and I'm looking at this bottom. I would not be surprised if Vancouver is better than what people have them here as. I wouldn't be surprised if they're kind of floating around the Pacific a little bit. Um, if they, I, there's no way in hell they start off. Oh, and 13 again. Like that, that's not going to happen. One, JT Miller won't let that happen. And two, I think it was just such a abysmal kind of weird year for them to start that way. And no Thatcher Demko to start. And then, you know, I think with everyone there and I think it'll be better. Um, So I think they will overperform a bit. Now, will they make the playoffs? I don't know. They, I think they fight for it. I think they're going to be in the mix right till the end. Um, so that's my overperforming pick. And then my, or sorry, the one that is currently listed lower that I think will do better. Um, and then the top end team, I would have said Boston. I also, I just think it's time. Tampa's going to take a big step back. Like I know those guys are there and I know they said, oh, this is the shortest off season we've had and blah, blah, blah. But that's still a lot of hockey over the past four or five years that they played. 
And that Stamkos um, contract thing looming over them is going to be yeah. real weird in that room. Yeah, I, I do think that. Um, and I think that's going to force them that they're going to take a step back. And again, being with no goalie, like their two goalies that they have are collective 35 games experience for two months. The collective $1.5 million against the cap. And nobody's <laughs> yeah, help, nobody's going to help out the Tampa Bay Lightning, right? Like no, nobody no, gives no, no. Yeah. You think t- they're going to go, hey, we'll give you like this third, fourth liner plus our first round pick for a tenure? Like, fuck you. They're not going to help them. So uh, I do think Tampa is probably going to regress quite a bit. Um, and then a subtle other low-key kind of team that I think will do better than a lot of than what FanDuel has in place is the LA Kings. I think they're going to surprise a lot of people. Mine's the Kraken. Look at where, look at where they sit. Yeah, for a team that made the playoffs last year and made the, West, made the Western Final. Yeah, that's that might be the value pick there. Is that <laughs> cracking at five thousand? So, right. but yeah, I I would say Vancouver will do better and Tampa will regress with a low key. The Kings are going to be scary good that people aren't necessarily expecting as much. We're probably well. Speaking of NFL, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say speaking of value. Um, hopefully you listened to us last week because we're we're two weeks in a row, guys, that we have provided a perfect parlay. Ooh. I picked the Lions over the Panthers, which paid. James picked the Jets over the Broncos, which paid. And we were screaming that. Like when we went through the list last week and we were looking at all the the value picks as James picks out uh picks up his terrible towel and is waving it around his uh Jets towel which is disgusting but nevertheless green machine um, we were telling you there's a lot of value on the jets over broncos and i don't know why they were so heavily dogs in that game um and then of course maddie picked the chiefs or the vikings which of course paid so all three of those paid i don't know if you guys actually bet on that but i didn't i, I bet like five bucks on it and i got like 18 dollars back so there you go. hey that's, yeah, that's like two three weeks more of parlays you can throw that's exactly a couple more degenerate bets here and there that Doritos, i get to do tacos. for free yeah, you get a couple of Doritos Locos Tacos. Uh, let's quickly fly through some of these games. You guys stop me if you think there's anything that's interesting. Um, Bears and Commanders, I will say that Justin Fields is back, baby. He Justin shafted Fields. your fantasy. <laughs> he was sitting on the bench. But I'm, Dude, I'm strongly considering playing stinks. Justin Fields next week. That yeah. team still stinks. They do. And I, honestly, I think it all has that a lot more to do with more. how. It's Fields yeah. and right. more. That's it. I'm, I'm just saying, I think... It's had more to do with the commander's secondary, which is uh, real, real bad. Yeah. Um, well. So probably don't read too much into how well Fields played, but I'm going to. I'm going to start him next week over Lamar Jackson. Um, the Bills lost to the Jags in England. I feel like there's something here of like the Jags hometown might as well just be London, England at this point. They do well there. They do. And they play there more often than anyone else does. So I would... I would seriously, if I was an owner of an NFL franchise, I would say, you know what? If we're playing a game in England this year, I am not the home team. I'm not losing a home game out of this. I'll play Jacksonville, but they're the fucking home team. This is bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Pony calling I mean, all in for the UK. It, they look good, though. Like, I'll, I'll say this. The Jags, I think, are, and just the quick thing on them, I think they're actually for real. Um, So I've, I'm not surprised, but I also think the Bills are getting exposed. A little bit. Yeah, I think some teams have started to figure out the Buffalo Bills, unfortunately, for them. Uh, Falcons over Texans. That happened. Listen, CJ Stroud did, though. Like, yeah. 
Continue to watch. CJ Stroud is legit. Continue to watch the Texans. CJ Stroud is an NFL quarterback through and through. It's a heartbreak game for for the Texans. Yeah, I I, I'm a big fan of what CJ Stroud's doing. I also like some of the pieces he has around him. They're a solid defense away from being a legit good team. Someone who is legit good team is Detroit Lions. They're four and one, and that motherfucker Montgomery just I, he doesn't care what's in front of him. He's no. running through it. Yeah, there he's are running through. It. There's two guys in this league that are guaranteed touchdown. Well, three guys, maybe four now: Tyreek <laughs> Hill, David Achan, or Devon. Devon. I can't say either of his names. Just say uh, Achan. Montgomery and McCaffrey. Do you know Achan uh, might miss the next couple of weeks? I don't know if you saw that. Oh, um, really? Near the end, yeah, near the end of the game, there is like a, a garbage time moment where he was laying on the, the on the turf, and I think they said that he hobbled off, and worst best case scenario, he misses next week. So, something well, to keep in mind. In one league, he I injured. have him and Tyreek Hill and David Montgomery, so I, I need them. So uh, they're saying knee injury is yeah. going to be it, evaluated. And his past three weeks have been 20 points, 24 points, and 47 points. So insane. He is. He's, just, he's a league winner right now. Yeah. Uh, Titans and Colts. Colts came away with that one, 23-16. Minshew um, mania, I, baby. Gardner Minshew. It is all on Minshew now. Um, hilariously, you know, Jonathan Taylor is back, but Zach Moss didn't get that notice. Nope. I know. He, Zach he Moss fucking, is still. He ran. And I bet Zach Moss is probably sitting here like, yo, what? We just. I've been playing fine. And he gave Jonathan Taylor like obscene money. Yeah. Where's my money? How come I'm not getting the bag? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'd be upset too if I was Zach Moss. The So this is the game we're just talking about the Dolphins over the Giants. I don't think anyone in the world thought the Giants are going to beat the Dolphins and the Dolphins handled their business. Uh, behind HN, of course, who had 151 yards and a touchdown. Tyreek Hill had over 100 yards and a touchdown. Tua Tungavailoa, not as ga- good as he had been in previous weeks, but also you can't score 70 points every week. So uh, Dolphins keep rolling. Uh, Patriots got <laughs> fucking shut out 34 <34-0. laughs> nothing, And people are starting to say, is this the end of Bill Belichick in uh, New yes. England? They're 1-4. They're 0-3 at home. They just oh. got shut out by the Saints, who... A fucking Derek Carr is their quarterback. So between the Giants and the Patriots, like it's tank season now for those two teams because that quarterback class is Caleb Williams. Oh my god, that dude is next so year. good. Like both of those teams, oh. I would say. I know, like the jury was kind of out on Danny Dimes. I think if you're one in five, you're one in four, like these teams are now. Yeah, I think it's I think it's time to to pull the shoot. Well, are the the thing is, is you know the Panthers aren't going to be taking a quarterback if they go oh for for the whole season because they just got young. So, I mean, if you're if you're floating around the second third pick, and that's what I mean. I mean, if you're the Jets and you've got fifth pick or sixth pick, I would not be surprised if you try and package Zach Wilson and your pick to a team plus maybe a little bit more and try and get that second pick and go I would not be shocked if they do that for Caleb Williams. Ravens lost to the Steelers in you know I mentioned it off the top where Lamar Jackson just can't for the life of him figure out a way to get his uh, wide receivers to learn how to catch. Um, it is all Lamar Jackson's fault for not um, teaching his receivers how to catch a ball. So George yeah. Pickens though man 
Yeah. What a game. Yeah. And Kenny Pickett doesn't look too bad. He's obviously not top five, but serviceable quarterback, better than some teams, better than Danny Dimes. Eagles are 5-0. and oh. Of course. Uh, they continue their winning streak. They haven't lost a game in quite some time. And I don't I don't see them losing a game in they just, uh, some time, honestly. To well, the most well-rounded team in the NFL. They have receivers. They've got running backs. They've got the defense. They've got the offensive line. They've got Jalen Hurts. They have the butt push. They're in. Bengals over the Cardinals. Um, I actually took this as on a different ticket. Like, if there's going to be an upset this week, I bet on the Cardinals to upset the Bengals because I feel like um, they're in shambles right now. But Jamar Chase showed up this week, and boy, did he ever. <laughs> boy, did he ever. Three what was times. it, like 190 yards? And fuck it here. I can, I can read it for you because it was I 15 it receptions, 192 yards, and three touchdowns. Yes, you did. Dude. That was... Uh, Finally, this yeah. motherfucker does something. That was definitely uh, a performance that you may not ever see again for uh, Jamar Chase. But hey, you know what? Enjoy it while you can. He's always open, yo. He is always open. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Jets and the Broncos. This was the one that we were shaking our heads point. at saying, how on earth is there points available for the Jets? And we jumped all over it and made some money last week. I did. Zach. Although, I will say, I don't believe in Zach Wilson. I don't know if you guys do, but I don't believe in Zach Wilson. I believe, Jet, I believe in the Jets' what defense. What was wrong with that game? I believe in the Jets' defense. I believe in Brees Hall. That dude's going to be the best running back Dude, in the NFL in two years. There were Zach Wilson at one point, and I was showing my brother, when he's when he throws under two and a half seconds, he was like eight for eight. When he takes what the defense gives him, He's just fine. Uh, but now when he's starting to scramble, he's starting to either throw the ball away or extend plays himself, which is good. He had a really good, really good play action, which they need Brees Hall to establish that that play action where he passed to Garrett Wilson down the field and Wilson caught it while sliding on his knees. There was, And then the interception at the end of the game, like it's forgivable. The, the mistake was that he didn't throw it inside enough he threw it too close to, or sorry, outside of Garrett Wilson, inside of the field, um, too close to his hands. And listen, Patrick Sertain just made a, an incredible interception between his knees. But Brees Hall is is a beast, and I I love watching him play. It's oh, just so Zach like, Wilson needs to learn not to dive head first. Yes, he does need to learn not to dive head first. And there seems to be a really good partnership between uh, Zach and Ty Conklin. Dustin, I don't know if you saw this play. It was crazy. So he throws the ball downfield to Ty Conklin, about 10 to 12 yards. Conklin ran with the ball for another seven to eight yards with six guys on his back. <laughs> Literally six dudes on his back. It's Legit, disgusting. It's pretty crazy. So yeah. I don't I don't think Zach Wilson's a problem. I really don't. I think he's he's gotten in, increasingly more comfortable in that offense every game. Um, and he, he's showing a lot. He's taking accountability for things in the press conference, which is a good leadership indicator. So I don't, I'm not even too worried. I wouldn't, I, next week's going to be a tough order for them, but. Mm -hmm. Last two games because the Monday night football game is uh, kicking off uh, in mere moments. So we don't have the results of that one, but 
we do have the results of the Taylor Swift game. Unfortunately, Taylor Swift was not in attendance, so no one cared to watch this game, but it was the Chiefs over the Vikings. The Vikings are now one in four, and we're all still on Kirk Cousins' watch of whether he will be traded or not. We'll have to wait and find out on that one. And then the Sunday nighter was the Niners just pumping the Cowboys. Oh, my God. The Niners two ten, so good. The Cowboys are suspect. Dak Prescott is not it. He's not. This is... It's not it. This might be too long of a conversation to start right now. We can definitely have it in later weeks, but it's something to keep an eye on. We haven't had a non-quarterback win the MVP in quite some time in the NFL. This might be a year where we start to look at a guy like Christian McCaffrey oh, yeah. as maybe the MVP of the NFL this year. Um, I could see it still end up going to like a Tua Tungvaloa or something, but uh, Tyreek Hill has been explosive as well. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's now potentially a, a way to see a, a different type of MVP this year. And I'm all for it. I think you're right. I, Cause I think there's also more candidates that aren't quarterbacks than there are candidates that are quarterbacks. Like you can make a case for even HN where if he's fine and continues this run that he's on, he could be in the conversation. David Montgomery. McCaffrey could be in the David Montgomery could be in the, like, I would not be, I, I, if I was laying money on it, I'd be betting it's a running back this year. We're looking ahead at week six. My God, it's already week six. Sad. Um, we need to make our picks, our locked-in surefire picks. And if you're following along, two weeks in a row, we have been right. And that parlay has worked out. So, James, you're going first. Uh, I'm going to take the Rams over the Cardinals. I thought the Rams, even in the loss to the Eagles, looked pretty decent. Asshole, that was going to be mine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the Rams are are at home. It is a six and a half point favorite over the Cardinals. And you're right. Cooper cup came back this week and is still, uh, he's still Cooper cup. And fortunately, Pukunakua hasn't really lost much production. So they have probably the best dual threat down the field than anyone else in the NFL. Right. It's scary. Good. Especially if, you know, Stafford can really, really get the time to get them the ball you can't double coverage anybody on the Mm -hmm. ramp it's scary maddie your pick no you go because usually it goes me first then jim then you then you then me then jim now it's jim you then okay okay i I, my pick um i haven't used them yet i'm gonna use them here just to keep the train rolling keep the money flowing i'm taking the sure bet of the kansas city chiefs at home over the denver broncos Dude, um, the poor Broncos having to play on <laughs> Thursday night. Oh, against the yeah. Chiefs. Not only is yeah. it a potential after, Taylor Swift game at home after Sean against Sean Payton had to eat crow on Sunday. I can't wait. Let's ride. Yo, what's the, what's the spread on that? Like thirteen points, fourteen? Uh, ten and a half for the That's Chiefs. That's it. Yeah. Shockingly, on a spread like that, that's value. <laughs> Dude, did, you see, not... did you see Sean Payton losing his mind on Russell Wilson on the fumble at the end of the game? Oh yeah. And then did I didn't you hear what Robert Sala said out of how they how they tried to work Russell Wilson in the post game no, press no. conference. He goes, "They're like, what was your your game plan in the second half?" Sala goes, "Well, we tried to make him play quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> you know, instead of getting him around on his feet, we tried to make him play quarterback." Oh man. And I was like, that's funny. Yeah. Speaking of Russell Wilson, there was an interview recently with uh, Marshawn Lynch. I don't know if you guys saw that, but um, if you haven't seen it, go out and 
find that interview because it's it's definitely interesting to hear like a teammate's perspective of dealing with Russell Wilson. I gotta, uh, but I yeah, the Chiefs out. game isn't the highest spread this week. There's actually two games. I think Bills, two, maybe three. Bills Giants. Uh, there's the Bills Giants. There's the Dolphins and Panthers. That is a thirteen Oof. and a half point spread. And I feel like I saw another one down at the bottom. No, maybe it was just the other one. So yeah, two other games that have a higher uh, spread than the Chiefs over the Broncos. Honestly, ten and a half points for the Chiefs. That's a that's value right there. Yeah, that's 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 a first quarter, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, the one thing about the Jets I will say before we jump into my pick is I like seeing a guy that's not as well known as you know your Zach Wilson, your Garrett Wilson, um, Aaron Rodgers, and your guys like that is Uzma from the Jets who said, you know, their coach made this shit personal. He's like, well, fuck him and fuck them. This ain't about them. This is about getting back on the right track. Let's win this bitch for Hackett. So it shows that the team is... Because fuck them, that's why. Exactly. I just... The one thing you always learn about in sports, what's the number one rule you don't do for another team? Bulls and board material. And that's what Sean Payton did. Right. And for a team that hasn't necessarily been terrible, just had a, like glaring holes to give a team that's a top rated defense like that. Some bulletin board material. It's not a good idea. Great example of bulletin board material. Last year was the trailer. This year is the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and it just it, every team just wanted to hammer the Jays. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I just I like that. So um, my pick. I don't think I've taken them yet. And so I, I, I got to do a surefire bet. I'm going to do the Bills over the Giants. Nice. Yeah, can't go wrong with the Bills over the Giants. The Giants are in shambles. Uh, the Bills are favored by 14 in this one. They're at home. <laughs> it's value. Um, that's it's value. <laughs> <laughs> so if you put a, a parlay on that one right now, throw in five bucks, you'll earn $3.53 uh, <laughs> for the bet of the Rams, the Chiefs, and the Bills. <laughs> That's the so. most gully. <laughs> hey, man, a win's just, a win. They just give you your money back. Like, Here you go. <laughs> they just take money from you. Yeah. They're like, hey, you get back bet this. instead of $8. Like, there's, there's a waste, of, waste. It's a waste of time. Your energy isn't worth the $3. <laughs> oh, we're pieces of shit. <laughs> hey, man, but if we can keep this up of a winning parlay every single week, maybe yeah, FanDuel guess, will be calling us, you know? Yeah, maybe they'll enjoy our humor being like, who the fuck? Why is this part like coming in and really paying their three bucks? <laughs> well, with that said, I think it's time for everyone's favorite segment of the week. That's right. It is time for everyone's favorite segment of the week because it is the segment where we get to hear Maven's entrance music from his incredibly long run in the World Wrestling Federation. Um, my Did shout out. Actually, was offered I... a return. Maven was offered a return to WWE and turned it down. Just so you know. Oh, I can believe it. That's I can Maven believe they definitely reached out to him. <laughs> Maybe even fact of the week. <laughs> we got one of those every single week. Yeah. Um, I, I got two of them actually, but I'm going to save one for uh, after we stop recording because I can't talk about it. But one that I can talk about 
Uh, I think he recently performed in Toronto. And I was just been seeing the clips on TikTok of him, like, in a sold-out Scotiabank arena doing a stand-up bit. And, man, Andrew Schultz is a funny motherfucker. Like, that guy just gets it. And, like, not only is he funny, but, like, he gets politics and he gets world issues and he gets like he'll talk about stuff that most white dudes don't know about and like he's just a very well educated guy and i appreciate that type of comedy and i can probably send you guys the clip you've probably already seen it i'll send it to you after but man is it so topical but it's so fucked up at the same time and it's hilarious at the same time so i appreciate that comedians like him still exist that are intelligent in what they're doing but they're also still pushing it of like what's acceptable. And I think that's where comedy needs to be. We can't sit back and say, oh, shit, this is going to offend somebody. Just fucking tell a joke. It's a joke. Like it's, it's, it's a comedy show. It's a joke. You're supposed to laugh. So I appreciate there's guys like him out there are still holding the flag for comedy and still trying to be funny. Go ahead, Jim. Uh, I got two. I'm going to give one uh, loosely real quick. Um, I'm sure my brother will probably add it too, but shout out to my uncle. He passed away this past week. Um, had a, a weird, uh, just almost like immediate onset leukemia. Um, we had gone to the racetrack with him like two weeks ago and he was fine. And then, you know, got sick with, uh, what they thought was a really, really bad flu. And then just ended up passing away, um, very suddenly. So he was a great dude. We, you know, our family was real tight at one point, um, you know, still are but like the type of family like we we had a central house and, and people would be by every day um so gonna miss him a lot so shout out to him um my other uh shout out is actually to nathaniel hackett um you know it sucks when someone says like you're fucking terrible and you don't do a good job um you know um as much as like we again it's kind of like the the zach wilson thing with what's his nuts rodney harrison last week um we can we sit here and say it from a place of someone could easily be like you don't know anything and we'd be like true, <laughs> but um, like Sean Payton's won a Super Bowl and stuff you you just expect more from these kind of guys, and for Hackett to get that win like it clearly meant a lot it clearly meant a lot to the to the Jets locker room so, um, yeah shout out to Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah, the uh, my uncle thing is. It's hard. Um, you know, it's obviously for those who can't see, but for those who do know me, obviously know I'm very heavily into tattoo culture. I'm covered. Um, when I first thought about getting a tattoo and for context, he's neck down, hands, feet, everything um, like covered in tattoos. And I remember when I was first starting and looking at getting one, he was like, no, you're not just going to pick material and go to someone and get them to do it. He's like, if you're going to do this, you're going to do it right. He's like, you're going to research the artist. You're going to vet it. And he's like, if you're worried about price, then you shouldn't be doing this. Um, Cause he was like, you get what you pay for. And he just took me down the road of understanding the importance of going through proper process, not just getting it for the sake of getting it. Um, and it was something that him and me shared. And, you know, he took me to my first appointment. He found the shop for me, found the artist for me and really instilled that kind of, you know, appreciation and I guess respect for you know tattoo culture um and everything like that so it's cool that like every tattoo I get I can always trace back to him no matter what um so 
And then also, too, we were on a vacation once and him and me got to spend some time together just hanging out at the rooftop bar at our resort. Everyone else went to sleep and it was just him and me drinking whiskey up there for a couple hours or sitting on the beach at night and just shooting the shit and listening to the waves of the ocean and stuff like that. So, you know, uh, going to miss him terribly. Um, and saying that, um, my shout out does go to Fraser Minton, um, a dude that no one thought about was just like, Hey, it's one of our prospects in camp. And I always really like when guys seize an opportunity where guys will say, regardless of what everyone says or what everyone's predicting, I'm going to show them why I should be here. And, you know, anybody can say, Oh, the Leafs, this is them rushing a prospect. They're not in that state anymore. They didn't need him to make the team. He went out there and earned it and, you know, props to him. Even if he's only here for eight games, the fact that he was able to do that shows great for the future and just shows the work ethic that kid's willing to put in. So that's mine. And shout out to all of you for listening to another episode of 43.6, which of course is brought to you by now your treasures. We'll see you next week, but until then help control the pet population and have your pets spayed or neutered.